never know the supernatural is something that isn't supposed to happen, but it does it. AM 1420. WBSM presents Spooky South Coast with your hosts, Tim Weisberg and Matt Costa. Good evening. Welcome to Spooky South Coast. Tim Weisberg here on the other side of the Spooky Studio. Things look so much different from this perspective. Chris Balzano, this must be how you feel all the time when you come into the studio. Well... That's another thing too. I can't stand over in this corner. I guess I could. Let me see. I was gonna, I was gonna lurch over uh, our full house tonight. I have the, uh, well, what it is is being the shortest guy in the room all the time. I like to stand up so it makes me look a little bit more like I belong. And so as soon as I enter the room, that that title gets handed down. So, what, are you shorter than me? Um, I think I'm like five two or something. I don't know. Well, I'm Italian. What are you gonna I'm, do? I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> okay, but you know, this is spooky South Coast. We don't usually talk about people's heights here. We talk about the paranormal. We talk about the strange, the unusual, the unexplained, the mysterious, the supernatural, and what to us has become normal, actually. And uh, we like to take you on a journey each and every Saturday night from 10 to midnight, but we are on an extra hour early tonight. Thank you, Pete Braley, for that, because we have a huge show for you tonight. We're going to deal with two major local haunting cases, and uh, this stuff is just unbelievable, what we've... Uh, what I've read in one of these books and what Matt Moniz has told me about one of these cases. And we're going to take you on the ride as well. We're going to tell you all about it. And, of course, you are welcome to call in with your thoughts, your questions, your experiences with the paranormal at 508-996-0500, 508-291-0500. And uh, as well as if you ever have any kind of uh, paranormal experience, you can email us, spookycrew at spookysouthcoast.com as well. But the guests that we have tonight, it's, I can't believe the panel that we've put together. Matt Costa, I would ask your opinion, but we've taken away your microphone because we have so many people in the studio tonight. But the silent assassin, Matt Costa, is here. He is working the boards and, and pulling this all together. It's easy to sit on this side of things and, and you know, talk to people and ask questions. He's the one that's got to keep everything going technically. Science advisor, Matt Moniz, is here as well. How are you tonight, Matt? I'm actually doing pretty well. How about yourself? I'm doing well. Spooktacular, as we say here. Because, you know, all week long I was worried about if we were going to be able to pull this off, and I, I think we are. I think we are as well. Because we have in the studio with us, they'll be kind of our co-hosts for the evening. They'll be coming in and out of the conversation, and you know them, you love them. They've been on the show before. We have author Tom D'Agostino, who has written the books uh, Haunted New Hampshire, Haunted Massachusetts, Haunted Rhode Island, and the new one is called... Pirate Ghosts and Phantom Ships. All right. And is that officially out yet, or...? No, it'll be out in January. But the other three are out, and they're on the bookshelves. Yes. And pre-orders are available on SchifferBooks.com. Absolutely. And speaking of Schiffer Books, we have their latest publishing superstar here, Chris Balzano of the Massachusetts Paranormal Crossroads website. His new book is out. And I'll let you tell the title, Chris, because I know that you've been waiting to come on and, and talk about yes, it. Yes, yeah. The title is Dark Woods, Cult Crime, and the Paranormal in the Freetown State Forest. It's a, it's a book all about the criminal activity and the ghosts and, and weird uh, monsters and all that kind of weird stuff coming out of Freetown and kind of holding it all up to the same light and saying, hmm, maybe the same thing that's causing these very weird crimes is also causing the uh, enormous amount of zombie attacks. So, yeah, it's, it's crazy. It's just insane. And the people that have emailed me and talked to me and said, hey, you know, I live in Freetown and I've been hearing about all this stuff. And I say, go to MassCrossroads.com, tell Chris, let him know before the book comes out. 
So now there's going to be so many stories that you're going to get after tonight that you're going to have to write a sequel, I think. I, uh, I was actually surprised at how many people in Freetown have already read the book. I mean, it's only been – I got my you know box of free copies on Thursday, and by you know Friday morning I had two or three emails of people who had read it already. So it's, uh, it's exciting. It's an active community. Uh, an active part of the state, so I'm very, um, I'm very excited to hear the feedback. It, and I'm, I'm personally excited. I just got my copy from you, and I'm personally very excited to read it. I will not read it in the same office that Jeff Belangelo read his <laughs> in. Uh, well, I mean, if I will, I won't share with you. Well, that's okay. I, I wrote most of it, you know, there. So okay, the wonder of laptops. <laughs> you gotta love that stuff. But uh, we will be talking with these guys, and they'll talk to us about a case in a cushionet that they've been working on with Matt Moniz, uh, as well as uh, Mike Markowitz has been involved as well. Matt Moniz? Yes, he has. Of East Bridgewater's Most Haunted. Maybe we can get him on the phone a little bit later on. Surprise column. I don't know. I don't see why we can't try. Hey, we got three hours. Action packed. (laughs) A little bit later on, we will also talk to Michelle Babs Babiars of the SciNetwork.com. She's going to share with us about an event coming up on December 12th where Christopher Moon of Haunted Times Magazine is taking Frank's, I'm sorry, excuse me, the telephone to the dead online with a live video and audio chat where uh, they will let you ask questions of the telephone in this format. It's going to cost some money to get into this chat room, and we're going to talk to Michelle about that and find out exactly what the story is behind that. And uh, maybe a little bit later on, I I put the invite out there. I haven't heard back, but I did invite Frank Sumption, creator of Frank's Box, to come on and talk with us. Um, And I also had put out the invitation to uh, Rick Moran of paranormalsystems.com to come on and talk about the new mini box. He is under the weather. He's unable to join us. Get well soon, Rick. We'll have you on uh, when you're you're feeling healthier. But uh, we will talk to Michelle about the box, about the telephone, whatever you prefer. But if you go on to spookysouthcoast.com right now, click on the blog, and when you see the blog posting for tonight's show, right under Michelle's picture, we have a link, couple of links. And what those links are is they are to the Minibox website where you can see a demo of that in action. Also, another movie where it tells you how you can turn a simple you know, Radio Shack $25 AM FM radio into your own ghost box. Uh, there's a couple versions there of how to do that. So check it out. Let us know what kind of results you get using that. I'm going to pick up a couple Matt Moniz. We'll tinker with them. We'll see what we can do. But And we'll talk about it later on. But essentially what it's going to do is it just eliminates the, the FM mute when you scan through the channels so it gives you that whole wide sweep it gives you everything all including all sidebands as it scans up through yeah which essentially the theory is that it gives the spirit more signals to pull in and put together so we will talk about that and more but uh matt why don't we take a break for right now and when we come back we'll get right into one of these cases here on spooky south coast don't look now but spooky south coast is creeping up behind you right after this Turn on all your lights, lock the doors, and pull down the shades. Spooky South Coast is back. Wanted theme music, Chris Balls. Now you got it. Yeah, this is uh, was not what I had in mind, but all right, it's all good. You're thinking more like the uh, the cream or the uh, Robert Johnson Crossroads, maybe? Yeah, Robert Johnson Crossroads would have to. That do. would be pretty cool. You know, we have to do that Robert Johnson show, Matt Costa. We really do have to get get working on that because our Gary Patterson can come on and and RC can. Paranormal. 
All right, joining us now, we have uh, Tom Nickerson, who is the co-author, along with Tom DeMello, of Our Demons, Our Forefathers, which is a book about ghostly encounters in a sleepy New England town, and that sleepy New England town being Westport, Massachusetts. How are you doing tonight, Tom? Doing great, thanks. Actually, spectacularly. Yeah, there you go. There you go. And now, you wrote this book with Tom DeMello, but it's it's Tom DeMello's family who actually own the property where, uh, where all of this crazy stuff started. Uh, that is correct, yes. Now, when did you guys first meet, you, you and Tom? Uh, Tom and I became uh, friends in the first grade, way, way back. We were both uh, knee-high to a grasshopper and all that, and uh, we just hit it off. I, I also went to a very small school, so you kind of had to make friends. There wasn't a whole lot of room to make enemies. Yeah, I think most of the people I knew in first grade don't want to talk to me anymore. <laughs> but uh, that's okay. I mean, I don't really remember any of their names anyway, so... But now, when you first started going over his house, did you notice anything strange? Uh, um, they uh, they didn't say much about any of that uh, right from the get go, anyway. Uh, but after a few years, I mean, it became so prevalent that the stories kind of leaked out, and the parents didn't like to talk to the kids about most of the stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, but eventually, I mean, this stuff happens in front of the kids, and they need an explanation. And the parents just said, "Look, we don't have one that falls within the parameters of science, so we're gonna have to say this is some paranormal activity." Yeah, I mean, we've all dealt uh, Chris Balzano, Matt Moniz, Tom. Dags, you know, we've all dealt with families that are in these situations where it's hard. It's, it's that fine line with the children where if you acknowledge it, you're kind of taking away everything you told them when they were growing up. Right. But at the same time, you can't just tell them, oh, it's nothing, go to bed, when there's, you know, figures and noises and things like that. Exactly. So all this stuff was going on before you became friends with Tom? Is um, I, I'd have to say it started right, right around the same time. The first incident happened, I believe it was 1978, when they were finishing construction on the house. Uh, and Tom's dad, who's a, a construction worker by, uh, by trade originally, now construction company owner, actually for low these many years, uh, took it upon himself to do a little bit of construction and was actually uh, using a backhoe, uh, digging some uh, last piece of the foundation and uh, sort of burst into flames. Uh, the problem there being that it was a diesel tractor. And uh, if you know anything about diesel, the stuff doesn't ignite. Uh, so it burst into flames, he did a uh, you know, dr stop, drop, and roll, and then the flames uh, magically went away. Uh, and uh, that was the first curious thing. And that was right around 78, which was when I started uh, kindergarten, giving everybody my age. And, <laughs> and now this, I was born in 78, I hate to tell you. Oh, geez. So, that, but now that, uh, that property was a pretty large property. It yeah. used to be farmland. Yep. Yep, it was, um, oh, geez, I forget the farmer's name now, but uh, my parents' neighborhood falls in the same uh, basic area, about a mile up the road. But, yeah, all farmland, uh, and actually their house uh, is, one of the property lines is on a brook. Um, and uh, so, yeah, definitely the farmland went right up to that brook, and it uh, was used as such for many years. Of course, Native Americans were in this area way before any of the farmers, mm -hmm. uh, and that's where they believe the root of the issue is uh, uh, finds itself. Now, you give the addresses for the homes uh in the book, and that's fine if people want to purchase the book and find out the addresses. We're not going to give the addresses out on the air, okay? Just because we don't want anybody hopping in their cars and going harassing them, because <laughs> there's people living in the houses. Oh yes, yes, there still are. So we don't want to uh, encourage people to go down there. They're private residences, uh, so we will keep them uh, secure. We will keep, you know, everybody that's there now. We'll keep their names under wraps, more or less. Okay. And, but one of the properties. Uh, they kind of had to add on later on. Is that true? The, uh, the yes. first property. The initial property uh, was a house that they uh, they had built um, when the family moved from Fall River to Westport again in the late seventies, uh, and they've added on a few times. That first bedroom was the first addition put onto the house, and again they were just finishing construction, so this was almost part of the initial construction. After that, they've had other additions put onto the house, uh, but that uh, that first room seems to be the focal point of most of the issues. It's spread out from that point, uh, but that 
that's where they've had uh, cold uh, cold spots, really a cold room is what it used to be called. Um, up till more recent times where we've had uh, apparently toys talking to children, which is always disturbing. Yeah. Uh, and uh, you know, footsteps and moans and groans and doors opening and closing, um, physical attack, at least one in that room ex- uh, directly. Uh, and then those have radiated out as well. Uh, and I was victim of one of those uh, back in college. And uh, that was uh, that was quite the eye opener. I mean, you hear the stories, and you know you might hear some creaks and moans and groans and footsteps and all that, but uh, getting pinned to the ground or pinned to the bed and not being able to breathe—that's uh, that's something else. That's something else. Well, now Matt Moniz, uh, you you can share with us, you know, whenever there's construction happening and any kind of renovation going on, that kind of just stirs things up. Uh, it's generally a catalyst for uh, activities to start. Yeah. In a, in a house like that where they're, you know, they keep having to add on because the family was growing, you know, that's just the perfect storm of creating that atmosphere. Yeah, it seems that way. Did, so they definitely got a sense of negativity from the spirit that they didn't like these changes they were making? Is that? It, it's fluctuated, but the majority of the interactions have been pretty negative. Um, <clears throat> over time, it has fluctuated, and there have been moments of uh, peacefulness, but interaction as well. Um, a presence perhaps sitting on uh, the side of Mrs. DeMello at one point when she was nursing a child. Um, small things like that. But for the most part, it's it's not a, hey, come on over and sing kumbaya kind of thing. <laughs> Sorry, Matt, you had a question? I was going to ask, was there anything happening in terms of material being taken from the people and then returned later as the construction was going on? Because that's generally one of the things that happens then when they start redoing a house. You you find the hammer gets taken, and then you find it in, you know, the bathroom, under the bathroom sink for whatever reason. You know, Apportation? Yeah. yeah. Ah, uh, actually, uh, lots of things disappearing. Not too many things coming back. Um, they, had, they had a weird thing with socks. One sock at a time would disappear. I think the dryer is the culprit. Yeah. Right now. <laughs> <In my dryer. laughs> I think it was a bit of a uh, bit of an epidemic for a while there. Where I uh, <clears throat> I worked in a room that they were calling the sock dungeon. It was actually the laundry room. But as you can imagine, with uh, uh, eleven children, it was it was lots and lots of socks. And uh, they had a, a mountain. I kid you not. It had to be about four feet tall of socks. And it was like the impossible dream trying to match any socks. And I would say to my best friend Tom, "Where exactly are the other socks?" And he's like, "Well, it's part of the magic of the house. One sock disappears, and you get all." All these singles. So. It's kind of like they're going to find that that portal out into the backyard, and there's going to be like the pile of like old watches and old socks. <laughs> right. And I forget which horror movie it was, but there was one that I watched where they had all that stuff. Like, and they're like, "Oh my God, there's that gold watch my grandfather lost in the house." Yeah. But so when it really first started, though, it was was it overtly negative right away, or was it kind of just little curiosities at first? I would have to say overtly, overtly negative. Uh, the curious flames, that was definitely like mm-hmm. a, hey, stay away thing. And, again, very curious with Diesel. Um, but then after that, the footsteps, the doors opening and closing. Um, the uh, uh, Tom and his next youngest brother, Mike, uh, when they were very young children, I always forget their ages at this point, but we'll say maybe six and eight, give or take. Um, they had both uh, been awakened in the middle of the night, not by anything in particular, except for that you know sense that someone's watching you. And in between their beds, uh, they had, uh, shared a bedroom, was, uh, well, to them, a large man. Uh, they probably estimate uh, nowadays about six feet tall, uh, standing, arms crossed, a uh, bit of a, a sunken eye look about him, wearing not much more than a loincloth, uh, staring down at them, not making a sound. And uh, he looked pretty solid. They said he wasn't really translucent. Uh, and uh, they, they said something about having a red hue or at least a bit of a red glow. 
and uh, the kids just screamed, jumped, ran out of the uh, out of the, uh, the bedroom, uh, across the hall, down down one door to the parents, and you know the father's initial reaction to this, someone in in my room, is we've got an intruder. Mm-hmm. So the father, of course, bolts in there to find nothing, and there's no forced entry, and there's nothing else. Uh, and it'd be a little weird to have both kids kind of dream about this simultaneously. Uh, so yeah, some pretty negative stuff right from the get go. And was there any reason why it would be that figure? I mean, was there any history of that property? I mean, we can say we say it all the time here. You know, people will come on the show and say, "My house is built on an Indian burial ground," and what we say, New England is an entire it's Indian all, burial. It's ground. all an Indian burial ground because right. of King Philip's War and everything that happened. But is there anything that you guys could find going back into the past of the property that would indicate a specific? Uh, Native American that it might be, or a specific tribe, something that might have happened on that site? Uh, Mrs. DeMello had done most of the research on that, and it was just, it was hard to piece anything together. We didn't have an, an exact name or anything, um, but uh, uh, some of the natives uh, um, that were, well, native to the area, uh, and given the proximity of the property to the water, they imagined that this would probably be a prime location mm-hmm. for, uh, you know, a tribe member to be buried. Uh, and, you know, after all those years of farming and tilling the ground, you know, you'd never be able to tell where there was a, a burial mound or even just a, a burial spot of any sort anymore. Uh, but they're imagining that uh, when they plopped the house on top of it, that he was pretty upset. Now, initially, and he said initially, Mr. DeMello was kind of, uh, you know, not really too keen on focusing on a paranormal explanation of things, but he did over time come to accept that it was something of a paranormal nature. Yeah, I, I mean, um, there are only so many footsteps and doors slamming and all that. Uh, my favorite was always the uh, the footsteps going down the hall with the hand. You could he- it sounded like someone's hands rubbing across the textured wallpaper in their hallway. That that always was like a really creepy image for me. Uh, but I think when the when he was pinned to the bed uh, that evening uh, by uh, an unseen force. Uh, and this, you know, he's a tough guy. All these guys, they have great genetics. That family, they're all natural <laughs> athletes. Seriously, uh, all natural athletes. Uh, my best pal Tom, he's uh, he's in ridiculous shape, and his brother Mikey is uh, uh, almost not human anymore. He's about like 275 pounds and works out you know six days a week. They get it from their dad and their mom. Uh, but dad's a, a stocky guy, you know, tough guy and a, a hands-on construction guy. And to pin him there, that's saying something. Uh, and I think that really opened his eyes to the uh, the idea that well. There has to be something more than, well, what's not meeting my eye at this point. I mean, when you have small children, it, these things tend to seem to target the small children, or, or maybe it's just that the small children are more receptive to it. And so when you have a house with so many kids and there's constantly you know, a new crop of younger kids coming up, it just allows it to just keep kind of not feeding but keep you know, directing its energy toward the family, and it, it doesn't get the chance to go away. Yeah, it does seem that way, at least in that house. Now, and it's interesting to say in that house because a little bit later on they purchased another property. Right, around the mid-'80s. It's been a little over 20, uh, 20 years now. I think it was 1985 they purchased a house right down the street, actually almost exactly halfway between his parents' house and my parents' house, old farmhouse, the old Siminski farm. Uh, and uh, I think, let's see, I'm not sure. I think it was actually my parents' house. It was part of the Siminski's farm. Uh, I'm not sure if his was. Uh, but the, uh, they owned all this property. It was all kind of interwoven. And uh, that particular house, we didn't know anything about it. I'm sure they didn't know anything about it either. Uh, but they picked it up when the real estate was cheap and uh, just kind of sat on it for a while. But weird things started happening there, too, almost right out of the gate. Uh, and that was actually uh, probably one – I think that was the first real uh, experience I ever had with the paranormal. And, you know, it's funny. Uh, when people ask me about this, well, w- what was your reaction? You must have been so scared. And it's not that I'm, you know, Mr. Brave Guy. But I just didn't know what it was. Uh, we heard a very strange sound out in the fields that night. And, uh, well, wow. I mean, the statute of limitations has run out on your crime. So we can say you guys were drinking. 
Yeah, and yeah. well, under the age, and, uh, a little know. bit. Yeah. yeah, we uh, we were splitting a six pack. Look out! Uh, <laughs> <laughs> there amongst, were three of us. Three guys. Yeah. Three of us. Oh yeah, yeah we were, that was putting like the one hair on my chest at that point. Uh, but yeah, we uh, we found our way down this long laneway. The house is set back about three hundred feet from the road. Pulled into a, a field. And it was this vast field of just frozen grass. It was the middle of winter. It was actually a night like much like tonight, early December, and just bitterly cold. We pulled in. We're just kind of hanging out in between going to a, uh, oh, boy, an Our Lady of Grace or maybe it was a St. George dance. I don't know if you guys are familiar with these things, uh, the old church functions, um, gym cafetoriums. And uh, so we just came from one of those. We were going to, I guess, a party or something. And we decided to split a six-pack sitting in a car with the heat on, windows up. And then I, well, we all heard quite clearly over the st- car stereo this incredible noise, a hissing, like howling, shrieking thing. It sounded like at least three sounds uh, interwoven, and it came blaring, it felt like, through the passenger side window. Tom was in the passenger seat, I was in the back behind the passenger seat, and his cousin Kevin was driving. And uh, the, the noise was really something else. Uh, so Kevin jammed it in reverse and went flying straight backwards. And the whole time I'm wondering, what are these guys freaking out about? It must be some animal out in the field. So I'm looking at this frozen grass, and for several acres around me, all I can see is perfectly frozen, like three-foot-tall grass. And I can see exactly where we drove in and exactly where we backed out. So I figured there'd be some large animal, at, at least a raccoon, at the side of the car. And there was no sign of anything. It was really unner- uh, really unnerving. And this was a property that you moved into uh, a little bit, a short while later. Uh, it was actually quite a few years later. Um, it was uh, late 90s when I moved in. Tom had lived there about two years with some other buddies. We had the uh, Spinal Tap uh, roommates. You just can't keep them. You know, they all have the best intentions, and then girlfriends pull them away. They can't pay the rent. I don't know, all kinds of crazy stuff. Uh, but, yeah, I moved in, and uh, it, it seemed to ramp up. Um, I talked to a couple, of, a couple of guys that had lived there. Only one of them said he had any weird things happen. It was an electronic thing, uh, TVs turning on and uh, radios turning on with nobody home and stuff, uh, walking into uh, appliances that were on, basically. Um, but when I was there, yeah, it was, uh, it was classic haunting stuff, though. And it got to the point where I was so overworked from working on my master's degree and teaching all day that uh, I was more annoyed than anything else. <laughs> So. Well, and I know that Chris and Tom and Matt, they're all thinking the same thing I'm thinking, but I have to ask you, no other paranormal events in any other places that you've been? Um, only one other, and I wrote about it in the book. Um, I, I put it down because Tom and I were talking about it. I thought it was hilarious because we scared ourselves. Uh, but actually at a cemetery. It's actually the cemetery pictured on the uh, cover. The uh, Let's see, I believe it's called the Oak Grove Cemetery. It's on um, Reed Road in Westport. And right in front of that uh, that mound there, that old tomb thing that they used to use for, oh, God, I don't know what they use it for now, except for scaring people. Uh, but right there, we figured we'd use a Ouija board uh, to uh, get some, I know, I know, I'm getting the looks. Uh, tried to use a, a Ouija board to get lottery numbers. We're 18. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> well, at least you had a good purpose in mind. You know, you're not trying to rustle up the dead. You're trying to make a little cash. That's it. We figured, you know, if anybody's got any kind of psychic ability, it's not John Edwards, but rather maybe the dead people around us. Uh, unfortunately, not much going on in the cemetery. We were actually a little surprised. I was kind of relieved. Uh, and then uh, the uh, Ouija board started doing strange things. Didn't go to any numbers or letters, really. Just kind of started moving around the board strangely. And then it stopped. And the moment it stopped, we both saw it in the rearview mirror in this running car, by the way. So uh, Toyota Celica, automatic with a little emergency breakup. Uh, we saw this large figure, meh, five and a half, six feet tall, 
float by the back of the car. Now, in all possibility, it may have just been the exhaust smoke. It just it looked a little more solid than that, and it really caught us by surprise. I mean, you're in a cemetery. It's nighttime. Um, you're playing with a Ouija board. We're playing with a Ouija board. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so this thing goes by. We look at each other. We just freaked each other out. Tom slams the thing in drive, mashes the gas. The front tires are spinning. The back tires aren't moving so much. And he screams, it's got us. <laughs> I looked down at the emergency brake, which was still up. <laughs> I clicked it. I released it. We just laughed and screamed all the way out of there. Uh, but I'm not sure if that's really the supernatural. I'm not sure if that's really paranormal. Uh, but Well, uh, the reason why I asked this is because I, I just wonder almost if because, you know, things ramped up when you started coming around the first time, mm. things kind of ramped up a little bit when you moved into the property. So I almost wonder if there's something about you that agitates whatever's there. Yeah, I've wondered that myself, but I, I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if I'm really, like, special. So I'm going to say that it's just that I'm paying attention, mm-hmm. I think. Because, let me tell you, my sister's got a, a three-family out in Fall River, uh, down the south end near the National Guard barracks, right? And um, it's uh, just classic old buildings. What, what are those things, around 100, 120 years old, give or take? Um, yeah, about that. Yeah, and uh, so my dad was doing renovations on the house when she got it, just kind of get it up to snuff, and she wanted to live on the first floor. And So he's doing load-bearing walls, all the plaster, all the windows, all that good stuff. And the last wall, she said she almost didn't tear it down because it was in good shape, but she wanted to throw a window in tears down the last wall uh and prior to this she had found bones now she's a lab tech over at saint anne's so she had found these bones all over the house and i thought you know it's a little weird because i worked in a meat department over at lee's market over in westport um i worked over there for like nine years and i know my bones for like the bones you're going to you know for the animals you're going to eat and this wasn't any of those uh so i said you know you might want to check in the lab these might be people bones and she you know pshawed the whole thing well the last wall she tears it down and she finds a dress in the wall, which is a little weird, yeah. uh, just a little, and a newspaper. Now, of course, I'm looking through the newspaper for like person murdered on this day, and there wasn't anything like that. But it was from 1980, uh, and it's just weird that you'd find just one, you know, section of newspaper stuffed in a wall, nothing else, and uh, a dress, an entire dress stuffed in the wall and actually kind of pinned under the, under the floor a little bit. Uh, now, I figure if any place is going to be haunted, oh, and, oh, and the uh, the little aside here was she she brought it to the lab, had a couple of the. Uh, um, doctors take a look at it and they said well it's definitely ma- mammal uh it looks like it might possibly be human possibly but they had to do more tests uh like she had a rib <laughs> look kind of like a people rib uh so uh but long story short she has nothing and i was like if any place is going to be haunted this place is going to be haunted uh but i just don't think she pays attention sure i mean yeah i mean if you, sometimes if you don't pay attention to it nothing happens kind of like the uh you know the, the tree falls theory right well, now one thing I want to talk to you about before uh, before we hit the news coming up soon, but sure, it's in your book, mm-hmm. and I know that the phone lines are going to light up with people sharing <laughs> their experience. So I'm going to throw out the phone numbers: five zero eight nine nine six zero five hundred, five zero eight two nine one zero five hundred, and I want to talk to you about the house next to White's. All right. <laughs> You, you write about it in your book. Why don't you just chronicle for us what you found out in your investigations of this notorious South Coast haunt? Okay. I, I never uh, gave it much credence because the, the stories always sounded silly to me. Um, uh, my favorites, and I chronicled a couple of them here quickly, were the um, uh, police officers paid to sleep on different floors and waking up on opposite floors. Uh, now, let me tell you, having a whole bunch of friends in the criminal justice field, uh, policing corrections, they're not going to pay anybody 
to sleep in the house at what time and a half or something yeah. to figure out if it's haunted. That's just silly. Um, but you know, all these other things. Although I, I did hear one interesting story. Uh, one of my first years teaching out in New Bedford High, uh, a, a young lady who uh, claimed that she had seen a man and uh, walked up to the car, told him they can't hang out there as they parked in the driveway, and it was a snow. Well, it had snowed, and when they uh, went to look around and see you know, where he had walked off to, he walked towards the cemetery direction, which uh, there aren't any houses there, and they had apparently hadn't left any footprints. Uh, but aside from that, uh, the house, as far as I know, was part of the 195 relocation project. They actually moved the house. I'm not sure if I got that in there. I think that's information I got more recently. They moved the house. They put it there. It's on a slab. Um, why they didn't dig a foundation, I'm not really sure. Uh, but the, uh, the original family, I believe it was the Boucher family, they uh, lived there for many, many years uh, and finally moved out uh, when they became uh, a bit too old to take care of the house. Moved out and sold the house to the Coughlin family, which owns a string of uh, funeral parlors. That family uh, tried to get the house to pass um, whatever zoning laws uh, in order to become a funeral home, but had been blocked for a whole bunch of reasons. A lot of the, uh, the uh, neighbors didn't want the uh, uh, caustic chemicals uh, mm -hmm. nearby, which is understandable, so they had to put a, a block on that. So they used it as a casket warehouse for many years, uh, and then eventually they had too many kids breaking in and freaking themselves out with the sight of uh, you know 20 caskets or something on the first floor and vandalizing, of course, and then they just shut the whole place down. Uh, I think they kept um, electricity or probably electricity to keep some baseboard heat going and leave a light on outside. And that was pretty much the end of it. Uh, but I did ask, um, because the place was for sale a while ago, I asked if uh, I asked the price and whatnot of the real estate agent, and he said that the, the house which had been knocked down was left on a slab, and he said, well, the slab is $375,000. Have fun. It's commercially zoned. <laughs> and I was like, okay, it's out of my ballpark. Uh, so I asked him um, if there would be a problem breaking ground and digging for a foundation, and he gave me the longest pregnant pause ever and said, well, wh why would you want to do that? And I was like, well, no, I don't know. <laughs> so uh, the mystery kind of remains, kind of remains. And, and now, Matt Moniz, I know that you dug into this. Uh, and found pretty much the same thing he found, yes. <laughs> and, but you, you've both heard stories from people constantly right. that, uh, right. you know, I spent the night there, my, me and my friends snuck in. And, you know, what are some of the stranger stories uh, that you guys have heard? And I know that you chronicle some of them in the book, but I'm sure you've heard some since. Um, let's see. Uh, yeah, the, well, the police one was definitely at the top of my list. Mm -hmm. the, the young lady story, I tend to believe her a little bit more. She was uh, a little less prone to uh, having uh, flights of fancy. Uh, so I'd probably give her a little more credit with the, uh, the figure of the elderly gentleman coming to the car. Um, but aside from that, it's more of the same, you know, break in and, and then, you know, you hear the noises or something falls or, and it scares the kids out, out of the house and then they run away screaming. And when these people do it, they're obviously going there because it's supposedly a haunted location. And, right. And, and we can talk about it because we know nobody can break into it anymore because it's gone. Right. So right. don't get any ideas, kids, if you're listening. <laughs> but they would go in there, they'd break in, and they'd expect to get scared. So right. the first time something falls or there's a creak or a blowing wind, they're going to run out of their screaming because that's, that's what they were it. looking for. Yeah, they're any, going. Yeah, anytime you, you, know, you break into a house and it's filled with coffin and coffin <laughs> parts, you know, you don't see that in a normal house. Now, did they call the business Coughlin's Coffins? You know, I thought that was a really interesting name, <laughs> Coughlin's Coffins. I don't know. That, that would have been perfect. That's, That's what, what I would have called it. it. Uh, Smith's Locksmiths over in Fall River. Yeah. Well, <laughs> cool name. Well, and uh, Glazer Glass here in the bedroom. We're, we're just throwing all plugs left and right here. But uh, now, if you have any questions uh, for Tom Nickerson, you can give us a call, 508 996 we got about, what, 12 minutes left, Matt? So uh, call in with any of your uh, questions or any Westport ghost stories you might want to share. Uh, but now these two properties that the DeMellos uh, inhabited, 
Has there ever been any kind of paranormal investigation of these locations? Uh, no, you know, I've, uh, I've kind of uh, been giving Tom a hard time over that lately. Uh, he actually can't make it this evening. He's a police officer out in Fall River. and uh, I hope he's listening. Hello, Tom, if you're on. <laughs> I hope, yeah, I hope so. Uh, he's in a cruiser tonight. I'm not sure if he can get this set. His internet is incredibly slow out there. Uh, so, But he uh, couldn't make it this evening because uh, they have a four-day on, two-day off, I believe it is, rotating schedule. And he said you can't lose a Saturday night, sh Saturday night shift to save your life out there. So I he just couldn't imagine. make it. Uh, uh, but uh, I've, I've asked him about it, and he said that uh, when he was there last winter, he had a whole other set of situations out there. Uh, some of the easygoing, you know, moans and footsteps and all that good stuff, doors slamming and whatnot. Uh, but also had a, a lovely uh, encounter with a black mass at the foot of his parents' bed. Uh, so I, when I asked him, I said, hey, why don't we uh, just do a little investigation? I said, you know, my wife and I will go in. It'll be fun. And you know, we'll set up some cameras. He's like, well, fun for you, not for me. He goes, you know, I know what I've seen. I know what I've experienced, and so do you. He goes, but the last thing I need is something on DVR that I can watch every Sunday night for fun. So, well, uh, I'm just interested in what would happen if you placed a couple tape recorders around to see if you could catch some of this stuff on there because, you know, what you're hearing is moans uh, and groans might actually be messages that if played backward, played at a slower or faster speed, you know, if you manipulate that sound, you might get a message that's trying to be conveyed. Yeah, he's actually told me about uh, mumbling. You can hear mumbling sometimes. Um, and I've wondered, you know, if, if there is only one spirit. And I'm, I'm starting to think maybe there might be more than one hanging around there. Uh, there's a lot of history in the family and stuff, so you never know. But um, some of the mumbling might be some chanting, which is entirely possible. Um, I remember watching an episode of Ghost Hunters when they were out in Ireland there, and some of the stuff coming through was was it language, uh, but it sounded like maybe some uh, some uh, older uh, uh, pieces of English, you know, mm -hmm. some old English, Middle English, um, my guess. Early Gaelic. Ah, there we go, even better. So if we look back at, I'm sorry, go ahead. Uh, I want to ask you a question. Sure. Now you're saying there were 11 children that were in this family that grew up in these houses. Yep. They've all, uh, or I would figure a majority of them have moved out onto their own. That's right. Yes. How many of them have activity in their houses now that they've moved on? I, Anybody report anything from the families? I have to say no, um, and uh, they're, they're not very forthcoming with this. They never like the attention, but um, I haven't heard of Thanks for the book, any. Tom. <laughs> yeah. Well, I cleared it with the parents, and the parents said it was okay. They actually said it was okay to even put the address in there. Um, but uh, uh, from what I've heard, no. And, and even when they've had activity in the house, they're not really you know, jumping on the bandwagon. So you're saying the activity it. is specific to the house, not necessarily the people. Yeah, it feels that way, um, because they uh, some of them live out in Fall River right now uh, in a family-owned house. Uh, it's a multi-family out there. So, let's see, two, two of them live in there now. Um, and so, let's see, two daughters, three, actually all three daughters live in Westport. Um, let's see, there's another son. I don't know where he lives now. He used to live in Fall River. Uh, actually, the other son lives in Westport. Yeah, um, aside from the the house itself, and actually there's a guest house on the property, which is where uh, Tom's younger brother, Mike, had an encounter of uh, the creepy kind. And actually, that's where I saw a full-bodied apparition, which was only creepy after I realized it was a full-bodied apparition. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, uh, I was wondering if uh, you, you kind of put forward in the book, you were uh, the other Tom, um, whether it was something about the family or something about the two properties, because it seems like, you know, having a haunted location is kind of like a a crapshoot of even getting one, so the odds of a person or a family getting two of them is, is even yeah. higher. I mean, did you, did you guys ever kind of like address that in the book, whether it's, you know, maybe something to do with the family as opposed to the properties? Or um, I really didn't bring it up. Again, uh, you know, 
and this, it's just my set of beliefs, and you know, I've got a long time to live, hopefully, so maybe my, my <laughs> mind will change at some point. But from what I've seen, at least in my personal, uh, my personal uh, experiences, um, I don't think that any one of them is a real magnet per se. Mm-hmm. Um, although uh, his mom says that one of the, actually the youngest daughter, Katie, that she was a bit of a magnet for more positive activity, um, just kind of uh, um, a sense of uh, uh, some uh, a presence rather right. on the side of her. She could sometimes feel like a cushion go down, feel the cold spots close by when when Katie was a very young child. And they joked because Katie has these uh, uh, very dark features, uh, dark skin and really dark eyes and dark long straight hair. And they said, well, you know, maybe it's because uh, the, it reminds the spirit of uh, a younger right, right. Indian child or maybe of American child. So, um, but aside from that, uh, I think it really was just a crapshoot. Uh, okay. The initial purchase of that property and the building of that house, uh, they would have never guessed, I'm sure, in a, th- in a thousand or a million years that that would be an issue. And then the farmhouse, I don't think they knew that someone had died on the property. It's just, it's one of those things. The guy died, I think, in the 60s before any of us even lived in town. So it's just one of those things. Right. Now, and, and Chris, you can probably help with this too, but in all the we've been doing the show for just about two years now and Matt Money's been investigating claims in this area for a long time Tom's just down the road in Rhode Island and Chris Chronicles all over New England on his website we haven't really heard a lot of reports coming out of Westport no no not at all, at all. as a matter of fact this is probably the first case that I've heard of in Westport yeah it's a it's, oh, okay, I'm I was going to say a ton of UFO reports out of Westport yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've heard a few myself and you know I love to believe in extraterrestrials but I haven't heard any really credible ones that have come to me. I've heard the you know the the pot induced ones uh, <laughs> with these red and blue lights. I was like, man, you were trying to you, the cops were trying to pull you over. <laughs> Next time, stop. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. Well, the UFO is big sky country out there, so you can you, you know you get that expanse over the water, and, and you can. But in terms of hauntings, I've just heard very little of that area. And you would think, given the you know geophysical properties of the area and the fact that it's no different than New Bedford or Fall River, which surround it. Dartmouth, where the, we have so many reports coming out of there of different haunted locations, but nothing in Westport. Is it, it's? I mean, we're speculating, of course, but it's almost like maybe there's something, a force field around it from that. <laughs> um, I think it's just, uh, and you know, I love them all because I grew up there, but I think it's just that small town mentality. They really like to keep to themselves, and God bless them. I mean, that's kind of what makes Westport Westport. Um, but I really like, I really think they like to keep it to themselves. Uh, and but once I started selling this book uh, at a pretty good volume in town. I had a lot of people coming up to me and saying, you'll never guess what happened to me. And they'll tell me, like, this history of, like, little things. And I was like, wow, these are the things you never hear of. Uh, but I think they're just shared among neighbors out there and that not much of it has been put to paper or, or let it, out. It is. It's, it's extremely interesting how different that community is from the ones that surround it. Yeah. Yeah, Westport is more that small village mentality. Mm-hmm. He's right. It's a very cloistered. Well, number one, it's geographical location where it's nestled. Yeah. It's more of a peninsula or a point in between two large cities that, you know, it it's nestled in its own little world. True, yeah. Um, and, you know, the people are very nice, but, again, they do de- tend to keep to themselves, although a lot of them have been very, very supportive with the publication of this book and everything. Uh, and uh, Tom says he hasn't gotten a lot of it, but I've had a ton of people come up to me just randomly in public and say, hey, aren't you th- that guy that wrote the book with the other guy? And I'm like, yes, I am one of those guys. <laughs> now, we're not going to get Tom Tom DeMello to admit to this if he did call in. He probably wouldn't admit to this, but maybe talking to you, you sure. know, the best friend. Has he encountered any kind of paranormal activity on the job? He has not. Um, not that he's ever told me. And I'm pretty sure he'd. Uh, he, I'd be the the only person probably <laughs> until. Oh, I mean, outside of his family, uh, nothing on the job. And he, he spends quite a bit of time out in Fall River. Uh, but I think, uh, given his shifts, he's a second and third shift guy. Uh, he's very very busy. He prefers it that way. Uh, but it's it's so busy in Fall River, he doesn't get time to sit around in quiet areas. Uh, when he has quiet time, he actually told me one night he finally had some quiet time. Went around the back of the uh, what was that? The, 
the hockey rink there near um, Durfee. I forget which one that is. Pulled around back to have something to eat. I guess policy is don't eat in your cruiser in front of people. Pulled around back, and he finally had some quiet time, and he ran into two batches of kids smoking pot in cars, <laughs> passing the joint across. So not a lot but of But he's never time. been called out to anything that might have been a strange situation, a paranormal situation? No, not yet. But he's, uh, you know, he's, on, he's been on the force less than 10 years. I think it's like five or six now. Uh, so give him a little bit of time, maybe. Just, yeah, thinking about all the activity that we've heard about around there. We'll, we'll have to get him into Lizzie Boyd's house. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> then he can see some stuff. Well, I mean, he's seen some stuff, so. <laughs> but see some stuff in uniform. Right, right. That just makes it even more incredible. So now, with the book, uh, you've, you've been getting a positive response in town. What about people outside of the town? I mean, are people in, people just love, and Chris and Tom can certainly tell you about it, because they've been selling books right and left. People love the New England ghost stories. Yeah, um, I haven't, uh, haven't uh, had a lot of interaction with people outside of town, um, but uh, I did have this one interesting thing very recently. I threw my back out. Um, <laughs> I don't know what that was all about. 35 and the world falls apart. Uh, but threw my back out, went to the chiropractor, and uh, the chiropractor is a friend of my wife's side of the family, and he said, you know, Tom, I didn't realize that you, you and your buddy were published authors. Uh, he said, uh, one, of my, uh, uh, one of my patients came in with the book, and we were talking about it, and he said the, author name, the author's names, and he said, hey, I know a Tom Nickerson. I have a patient named Tom Nickerson, and sure enough, flipped the thing around. But he couldn't remember the patient's name. So, uh, But apparently that is out of town. That was uh, way out in Swansea towards the Rhode Island border, so I'm not sure where that person picked up their book, but it is available online, plug, plug, uh, you know, the usual venues. Well, we have a link to it on SpookySouthCoast.com. If you go to the blog, you can click right on the name of the book and purchase a copy. Awesome. And, It'll uh, definitely be one of mine as well. Yeah, oh, just, just, definitely my uh, in my triangle section, in my my Bristol County section. After this, so. you definitely have a fascinating case. He does. He chronicles all the activity that happens in this area, That's so awesome. he'll make sure he gets uh, stuff up there and probably do a little interview with him for the site. I'd love to too. actually. Oh, yeah, yeah I'd, I'd love to myself. Awesome, thanks. Yeah. All right. Well, we are coming up on the CBS News, and uh, when we come back on the other side, we've got two more full hours to go for you. Crazy show tonight. We're getting paid overtime. I think. What's uh, time and a half of nothing? Double nothing. So, uh, but we're glad to do it. That's why we're here. We're here to talk, tell you about the paranormal, and that's what we will do. We will talk to Michelle Babs Babiars about the upcoming event with the Telephone of the Dead, and we'll kick around the topic of Frank's box a little bit with our all-star panel here as well. And then a little bit later on, we'll talk to you about a case in Akushnet. So we went from Westport to Akushnet. Maybe you have something in between. Give us a call, 508-996-0500, 508 and uh, we will be back in about six minutes after the news with more of Spooky South Coast, so you don't want to miss it. And remember, if you missed any part of the show, download it online from iTunes, SpookySouthCoast.com, or wherever you get podcasts. We'll be right back after the news here on Spooky South Coast. Quite an experience to live in fear, isn't it? This can't be happening, man. This isn't happening. Spooky South Welcome back, and it's strange to say this at 10 o'clock, hour number two of Spooky South Coast, because 
We are in the midst of a three-hour extravaganza where we're talking about some local haunts, and uh, right now we're going to actually talk about Frank's box slash Joe's box slash the mini box slash Telephone of the Dead. It goes by a number of titles, but it, it kind of relates to what we're talking about here because we're talking about a couple of unique local haunts where if we had a Frank's box or a Telephone of the Dead, whatever, it would certainly come in handy in trying to figure out some of the questions around these hauntings. And that is what this piece of equipment is designed to do. For those of you unfamiliar... And, by the way, this is Spooky South Coast, where we talk about the paranormal each and every Saturday night from 10 to midnight. But Frank's box was created by a gentleman named Frank Sumption by throwing together a bunch of random uh, electronic parts. What happened was he was kind of came up with this flash in his mind of how to build this device, started putting it together from a bunch of spare parts uh, that he got at Radio Shack and junkyards, wherever he could find them. And as it turns out, it could tune in these signals from somewhere else. It would take these radio waves and bend them and manipulate them into a, a conversation, uh, could directly answer questions. Frank has had experiences with everything from uh, people who have passed on to ETs to who knows what else. And now Christopher Moon from Haunted Times Magazine teamed up with him, and they were working together to create the box and utilize it in different haunted locations. Well, things happen, and they had a split, and Frank no longer works with Chris directly. Chris was working on his own to... Uh, produce the box and to bring it to these different locations. So uh, Frank, meanwhile, has kind of taken a back seat. But what he has done is he has given his endorsement to a new company, uh, Paranormal Systems, which, well, they're not a new company, but they're new into the box creation. They are actually a branch of the ASUP run by Rick Moran, and they put together this thing called the Mini Box. It's a mini version of Frank's box. We have a link on our website, on the blog, to their website, explaining exactly what this device is and how it works. You can also place your order for it through, through their website. The price is $399 if you order one before January and $499 if you order one afterwards. So it's a very pricey piece of equipment. However, there's also the ability to take regular radio equipment and utilize it for this property just as Frank once did. And he sent us a couple of links to some different things you can do with common, you know, Radio Shack, radios that you can buy for $25. We put those links up on our website as well. So if you want to take those and try them out and let us know how it works out, we, that would be you know, much appreciated on our part because we're trying to collect as much information about these different devices and what they can do as we can. But uh, right now we have uh, on the phone joining us from the SciNetwork.com. If I can just get my paper there. We have uh, Michelle Babs Babyards. You like having your own nickname, huh? I do. I had to. <laughs> it's, it's so great to be able to just go by one name like Cher, Madonna, and now Babs. Right. Right. No, no well, pro- only no, the cool people do it. No problem with Barbara Streisand, no copyright infringement. I was going to say, I think that one's been taken, though, yeah. Babs. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, there's been no confusion between me and Barbara Streisand. Well, there's, there's only one Babs in the paranormal, and that's you. That's right. That's right. It's me. So we have you on here to talk about this event that you have coming up on Wednesday, December 12th. Why don't you tell everybody what's going on? Okay. Well, I mean, everybody knows the current controversy with cell phone to the dead and all the new devices going on. and. It seems like there's an awful lot of people talking and not a lot of people listening. And so I thought this would be the perfect avenue to get Chris live and have it set up where anybody, anywhere, can take part in the discussion, ask him questions, and really hear what he's got to say instead of speculating about what he's meaning. Now, the difference being, and we, we I kind of just glossed over for people, but there's so many different devices that are out there now because Frank 
when he created these boxes, posted schematics online for anybody right. to be able to make them. Right. And, and so anybody can. But Chris, in the information that he's been given uh, from who he's talked to through the box, they've told him only 30 people can utilize the box. Right, right. He was absolutely told that. But I think something that's kind of important to remember is there's a lot of talk right now about Chris is absolutely against anybody having any of these devices and researching it at all. But the fact is that, you know, on the site for a long time until the beginning of this year when Frank's original Yahoo group went, Chris provided a link to Frank's site with a schematic. Mm -hmm. And that's how most so, people got them was through Chris. Right, exactly. Exactly. But I think, you know, people have kind of forgotten that and, you know, are, are thinking that he doesn't want anybody to do any kind of research. And I don't think that's the point at all. I think his contention is that it's being mass produced, in which he's also said since day one that he didn't, you know, didn't think that that should happen, and that's been from information that he's gotten. Well, I mean, at the same time, we're talking about a device that's really just a, you know, battery-powered Ouija board. If you look right. at it that way, I mean, it can open up a portal negative or positive. You don't know what's going to come through. So exactly. it, it's dangerous exactly. in that sense. And it can be dangerous. And there is nothing set up on any of the sites that are selling these things now. Um, no kind of protective measure. If you have the money, you can go on and buy it. And, in fact, on one of the sites I was looking at today, it was saying that part of their study group is, are, are going to be children. Wow. And, yeah, a red flag for me go up anywhere. I mean, we're... You, know, you can't prove for a fact that a portal can be opened up and that things can come through. But anybody who's worked with the box, nobody's denying that lower entity voices can come through and, you know, say all sorts of things. So now we, we get the, you know, troubled youth sitting at home with his new box <laughs> and, you know, listening to whatever it's saying, and who knows what can happen. You know, I want to talk to uh, I want to talk to Kurt Cobain, or you know, you don't know what these kids are going to go for, and the information they can be fed when they're in a very suggestive mode. Right, right, exactly. And I don't I don't think that there's any responsibility in just letting anybody have it without any consideration. And I understand Chris's concerns, but at the same time, from the other side of things, and, and you're well aware of it, when people look at somebody that's taking this device out into uh, events and out into different uh, ghost hunter universities and using the device and charging people to be able to use the device, that creates a lot of questions in people's mind, too, that really all it is is it's a glorified medium. It's a glorified psychic. You're using an electronic means to do the same thing that Madame Ruby does down the street, which is, in some people's eyes, you know, rip them off. Right. Right. And I, I get that. Whenever there's a charge for anything, people's red flags go up. Especially but in this field, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. But, I mean, there is a lot of time and energy. And the way that the box works with the technicians is it's using Chris's energy. You know, so there's a lot of time and a lot of energy be, being take up, taken up. And I think he deserves to have something, some kind of compensation for that. Well, plus all the traveling he does, too. Right, exactly, exactly. Well, one question I have, and, and I, I do want to mention this, and I, I do want to find out the story behind it. You are charging $25 per person, $40 per couple for this event that's happening on December 12th, this live chat where people can, can interact with Chris and, and learn more about the box. What do those proceeds go to? Is the it proceeds are going, well, I mean, I'm putting in a lot of time and energy in mm -hmm. promoting this a lot of time and energy because I know it's going to be huge and it's already starting to fill up really fast and I'm hoping to you know, try to keep it limited somewhat so that everybody has an opportunity to ask questions. But my hope is mostly that 
putting some sort of charge on it is going to prevent the people who want to come in and just, you know, ruin the event for others and, you know, be mouthy and slanderous. And Absolutely. I mean, we're not we're not questioning your decision to charge. We're just trying to let you explain as to why, so that when people have questions, you know, they'll understand what the purpose is behind it. Plus, at the same time, I'm assuming some of this uh, money will help Chris go into research and development now that he's no longer partnered with Frank. Well, actually, Chris is not charging anything for this. Okay. So he, he's doing this as a means of he needs a, a voice. He needs a way to, to be able to speak. And so the proceeds will go to hopefully paying me back for some of the time and energy that I'm going to put in on it. And then hopefully, you know, we can we can move forward by network and benefit a little bit off of this as well. I mean, absolutely. I mean, the fact that you can bring people to your website, and you, you have a great website, sidenetwork.com. And if anybody has a chance, we have it linked up on SpookySouthCoast.com, but definitely go and check it out because there's some great discussions going on there, great evidence shared, and, and you know, Bab's such a great person. Everybody everybody knows her on MySpace. You know? Right. I know. <laughs> and she's always willing to lend an ear to anybody that wants to share an experience or, or share some evidence as well. And uh, you work you work very closely with Chip Coffee. He's a good friend of yours. And uh, yes, yes. He was actually he actually had a, a very emotional reaction the first time he used the box. Yeah. Or the telephone, yeah. I'm sorry. Well, and the, the first time that I experienced it was also the first time Chip did, and that was at the uh, Ghost Chasers event in Savannah last March. And it was absolutely amazing, amazing. And we've, I've, I've not stopped talking about the box since. It was definitely a life-altering experience for, I would say, all 50 of the people that were there that day. And now Chris is going to talk about this in, in his chat, I'm sure. Uh, right. But also, I want to ask you your opinion, being somebody that's that's worked with it. What do you think about this idea of the mini box of you know this mass production? Personally, what do you think? I think it's really scary. Just just for the really fact scary. that. Well, you know what part of it is that really gets me is Chris has been the primary tester on this since 2004, and he has devoted a lot of time and energy into establishing good relationships with the technicians on the other side. And they're short-selling him, I think. They're not considering his point or even seeking out his opinion on it. Well, I mean, from the same time, I've talked to a number of other investigators, people who know Chris personally, and, and we all like Chris. He's a great guy. And, of course, Dean is a wonderful person. They, they, they put on a great event whenever they have a Ghost Hunters University, and it's first rate. We highly recommend it to anybody. But a lot of people are concerned that this box is kind of dictating things to Chris. This telephone is kind of dictating things, and he's just kind of buying into it. Being an outside observer, do you, you know, do you have that same concern? Do you think that's unwarranted? Uh, I think it's absolutely unwarranted. And you know, like for instance, the, the thirty people thing. A lot of people are saying that this is new, but if you do any kind of research on the background of this, there's been other things that have been said that support that idea. You know, that there's only certain people. And if you look into, you know, like after death communications from Constantine Raudive. He speaks specifically about there needing to be a certain resonance or, or harmony with the box to, to make it work right. And so when Thomas Edison says to, to Chris, 30 people can use this box effectively, I think the point is not that only 30 people in the world will be able to get anything with it, but that 30 people will be able to use it effectively and successfully for what it should be used for. And don't you think, too, that the more people that use it and the more people that experiment with it, it might actually help Chris in the long run because it will legitimize him as one of the 30 if that's the way it turns out to be? Well, 
I have a feeling that that's not how it's going to go. I think that one of the biggest issues in the, in the paranormal community, as well as any other community, is ego. And I don't think that people are going no. to be able to admit that, one, either the box is not working for them or that their messages aren't clear. I don't think they're going to be able to admit to that. If the box isn't working, instead of even considering that the box is not working for them, I think what will happen is that they'll say both Chris and Frank are frauds. Exactly. There's nothing to the box. So, so Babs, uh, just to clarify, you're saying that the, the number 30 is just uh, a symbol, it's not an actual number? Well, from my understanding, we'll have to, you know, Chris will be able to say this more in the, at the event, but so that 30 people will be able to use this box effectively. Effectively, okay. So to anybody else, it's kind of a crapshoot. 30 people are like a golden, you know, golden ticket into the uh, the other side. I mean, are there plans to make, maybe not mass produce it, but to, to produce it on a, on a lower level and, and kind of who's... Repeat it again. I'm sorry, I didn't hear it. Is, is there a plan to, to produce it, and maybe not uh, mass produce it, but to, to produce it on a, on a low level to find those 30 or to to have other people use it? Do you know? Uh, I, I don't know for sure. Mm. I don't know for sure. And I don't think Chris knows who the other 30 people are. I think it's something that, you know, he's discovering as we go along. I'm just going to throw this out there. And, and Matt Moniz, you can you know math better than I do, so you can probably back me up. But I think that if there's only 30 people that can utilize this box effectively, and the fact that Chris has already found some of them uh, in bringing it out to the public, I find it very hard to believe that if there is only 30 that you're going to run into those 30. There's so many people in the world that the numbers wouldn't really be in your favor of finding even another one of the 30, let alone a couple. Um, so I've, I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying that the people that are found aren't people that can operate the box. I'm just saying that I think that 30 doesn't really stand up. I think it's going to be more than that uh, in the long run. Well, the way well I and maybe, maybe there's more than 30 in, in the group. I'm not so sure that I um, absolutely believe that if somebody is named as a person that they're necessarily meant to work specifically with the box, mm -hmm. own the box, that they could be part of a team that works in conjunction with it. Matt, you going to say I'm sorry? Uh, what I was going to say is I think what would be more probably uh, liable to happen is these 30 people will find the box themselves. They'll be drawn to, to it. it. rather than going out trying to find it. That could it. very well be what's happening. Yeah. All right, well, right. We, we thank you for joining us, Babs, and for, for sharing with us uh, about the event. And we'll, uh, we'll talk about it a little bit more next week and let people know you know, what's going on. We'll keep uh, helping to post everything going on there. So people will go. And I want to hear from people that go into this chat room, and I want to find out, you know, what you learned and what you think, what your opinions are coming back from it. I've seen it in action. I know that there's definitely something happening. I can't say what. I can tell you that I trust Chris. I trust Dina. There's nobody down the street with a walkie-talkie sending in signals. I heard a radio commercial come through that box for a business that went out of business 10 years before, at least 10 years before. So... To me, there's something being manipulated there over time and space, is my opinion. And some of the responses that you got directly I, I to your questions were... Uh, I don't want to talk about that right now. <laughs> <laughs> I, have, I have a habit, Babs, of, uh, of uh, irritating the spirits of the Lizzie Borden house to no end. And uh, <laughs> they, they kind of made that known to me through the box. And then when I didn't take the hint through that, then they got physical. So. Oh, see? So, I mean, and there's a perfect example that something can happen. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I, I've seen there were people there. When we, we did the show from the dining room of the Lizzie Borden house while Chris was in the room, uh, in the building with the box, and there were people that came down from that session crying because they had made connections with their loved ones. 
Now, that that brings up a good point. When you got these people online, how are you going to be able to console certain people that, you know, will really be emotionally affected by the information being imparted to them? Well, hopefully, I mean, that, that's something we'll definitely have to consider, that you know, maybe there'll be some time spent prior to that um, portion of the event where the people who have never experienced it before, we can explain something to them that, you know, they may become emotional. And I will definitely make myself available, you know, via phone, email, whatever they need, and I'm sure Chris will as well. Have you thought about, like, maybe personally a grief counselor for whatever reason being available online just as a precaution? That's, that's actually um, something that Chip Coffee does, and, and I'm inclined to think that um, that will end up being his role in all of this. Sure, I was, I was even going to suggest that. I was going to say, you know, I hope Chip's going to be there. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's absolutely planning on being there. Okay, so at least there'll be some sort of safety net. And if you have any trouble, let me know because I actually I uh, know a counselor personally that works online and does a lot of online stuff, and he might be willing to be available for people, you know, not necessarily part of the session, but just people could contact him if necessary following the event. That would be absolutely great. I'd love to work with you guys on this. All right, well, we will definitely talk about some more next week. Uh, maybe I'll even give Chris a call, see if he wants to join us. Um, but it's, it should be a very interesting night on Wednesday, December 12th for sure. Uh, more information is up on your website, the Psi Network, psinetwork.com, and uh, I'm sure you'll keep putting out MySpace bulletins and everything, and we'll keep forwarding them. Okay, great. Thanks, guys. Thank you, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Okay, bye. Take care, Babs. That is Michelle Babs Babiars, the Psynetwork.com. So if you're interested, if you want to pay the $25, and I like that answer, by the way, Chris Balzano, of if you set that price on it, it's going to keep the knuckleheads out of the chat room. I, 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 I can see that yeah, point yeah, for sure. Definitely. Absolutely. And plus, yeah. I'm just thinking, it's probably not that cheap to put on an audio and video chat for somebody. It's not. I, mean, I know that, uh, that, uh, that Jeff Ballinger had it set up where he was going to do uh, online classes, and the price of running them was just so exceeding the price of people that were, that were going to be attending them that he just had to shut it down. It's a tough thing to do. It is. And, you know, but it's this- not like having a website and automatically it's served. I mean, it's an ongoing kind of multimedia thing. It's a, and it's tough to juggle, too. In this field, we're just trained to immediately, when we hear charge... Get you know, and I've, and I've been running at, into that a lot this week um, with uh, one of the groups that uh, that I've uh, been in contact with and kind of rolling over my head. And I've, I, I think I've maybe switched uh, three or four times just this week on the whole idea of, char- of uh, charging and and, uh, and money gained from the paranormal. It's easy for, for Tom and I because we experience something. We look at each other, oh, my God, that was amazing. And then we're, you know, racing to write it down because it's going to be in, uh, in one of our books. But a lot of people don't have that to fall back on and, and – um, so, you know, I really, I really kind of go back and forth on it. I haven't had – I've seen some very convincing arguments. I've always been a non-pay kind of guy mm-hmm. um, and, you know, fees and, and all that stuff. And I read some really convincing articles this week that made me kind of scratch my head and say, hmm, I, I wonder. I look at it this way, doing paranormal research. When I'm out doing the actual investigations – I consider that like a band rehearsal. You're going out, you're collecting the data, and when you go out and present, that's the show. You're charging for right. the sh- you're charging for the band's performance. Wait a minute. So when we're presenting here, shouldn't we get paid? <laughs> <laughs> shouldn't we get something? But I mean, one of the things, uh, you know, one of the things that one of the groups had posted, a local Massachusetts group had posted, actually was, um, you know, if you bring an uh, uh, exterminator in to a house and there's nothing there, then you still have to pay the exterminator for coming in and checking out and telling you that nothing was there. Um, so it, it is kind of, I don't know, I, I've, I've, I've kind of gone through the, because uh, the person's a friend of mine, and I automatically kind of wanted to, she's actually setting up a, a, uh, a coalition of, 
of people with a very high standard uh, for the group, and, and I agree with that. Uh, she asked me to join. I was a little bit hesitant to do it because I didn't agree with everything that was in there, and one of the things was all about charging. Um, and it's one been one of her gripes for for years, and uh, and so I kind of was going back and forth. And there's a lot of convincing arguments out there for charging, and then there's then there's uh, your gut. And a lot of good convincing arguments for it uh, not to charge. I, I'm, You'll I'm never against, convince me to charge for okay. an investigation. I, I'm against charging. I am totally because you're dealing with something that by charging you're hurting you're hurting you're hurting acceptance of the field by charging. You know, and and uh, I've got the benefit of not really fully considering myself an investigator, uh, so I never have had to confront that because I would never think to charge personally. Mm-hmm. Um, but then it's the. Uh, it's the whether to condone or condemn those that exactly, are charging yeah. uh, or whether to immediately uh, assume that they're going to be frauds is the thing that I have been rolling around in my head. Well, the way I see it is it all depends on the service that they're offering. If they're charging you... Right, right. And, then, and then, of course, on that same website, there's, you know, you know it's $400 for a two-minute conversation where they'll, over the phone, you know, be like, nope, nope, no ghosts. Yes, or, you yeah. know, this is, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, it's your Aunt Ethel. The, uh, things like that, so it, it, they kind of go hand in hand. But the argument was solid. The, the, the way I see it is if, if they're saying, you know, we're going to charge you X number of dollars for us to come in and do an investigation, fine. You're up front about it. You're saying what you're doing, an investigation. Right. Like you said, an exterminator going in there, there may or not be something causing the problem. But to say that you're going to go in there and charge $100 to rid them of the ghost, uh, you're going to pay $200 to give the house a cleansing, you know, right. all, all that kind of stuff. That goes out the window because you can't guarantee that that's what you're doing. Just because every other case that you've done has responded to what you're doing doesn't mean it's going to respond again. Ask Keith Johnson how many times he's had to go back to a location to throw out something that he already tried to get out once before. Who doesn't charge, by the way? Kristen Gartland. Yeah, every time she goes into a house. Or, or, you know, any one of us. You know, see this rock right here? This is an anti-ghost rock. Mm -hmm. Guaranteed that there won't be any ghosts. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's it's really kind of where would you draw the line, and how can you ever really can I get one prove that? No, no. <laughs> but I but I, I actually have completely switched, and I will be charging. So I'm here to collect my bill actually tonight. So you guys owe me seven thousand dollars and gas uh, for going out to a cushion it. So. All right, well, and we will we will find out whether or not it was worth it all when we come back from commercial. Why don't we take a break, Matt Costa? When we come back, we will talk to Katie and John about their house in a cushion it and all the goings on there. And you're not going to believe some of the stuff, but if you Want to see some physical proof? Just go to the blog at SpookySouthCoast.com. We have some photos up there. Uh, we'll have some EVPs for you as well. Maybe not over the air, but in the podcast we definitely will. So uh, you want to check that out online, SpookySouthCoast.com, iTunes, wherever you get podcasts. Check that out. All right, we'll be right back here on Spooky South Coast. Turn on all your lights, lock the doors, and pull down the shades. Spooky South Coast is back. Welcome back to Spooky South Coast. Tim Weisberg here, along with the silent assassin, Matt Costa, who is forced to be extra silent tonight. How's things going over there, Matt? You lonely? (laughs) Is that sign language? I don't know. And of course, the easiest thing would have been to n- nod his head, but instead he decided it was you know elaborate Pe- people hand always, gestures. People always say to me, like, you know, Matt Costa must talk up a blue streak when he's off the air, right? And no, he's just quiet all the time. The, this is a guy who nods at drive-throughs. They ask him if he, you want fries with that. Uh, that's how quiet he is. All right. Well, we are back, and science advisor Matt Moniz is here as well, and he doesn't nod at drive-throughs. He yells at them. He yells angrily at them. Get my order right. 
All right, we're back here at uh, Spooky South Coast. We talk about the paranormal each and every Saturday night. And tonight we are talking to you about local cases. Two local haunts that just are fascinating cases, and they're, you know, it's pretty intriguing evidence. Not like, you know, we, we get so many stories from people that call up and they can be easily dismissed over the phone. We don't even have to go out there and, and, and do any kind of uh, investigation. We can say, well, check to see if your heat comes on, to check to see this. Check. But these are some cases that definitely warrant an investigation. And one of these, the one we're going to talk about now, is something that Matt Moniz has been investigating. Uh, and we have Katie and John, the homeowners, here with us. Uh, Matt, how did they get a hold of you uh, to look into investigating the house? Actually, they got a hold of Chris. Ah, Chris. <laughs> and actually, and they you, got a, And you pawned it off on Moniz, huh? And they got a hold of me from you, uh, actually, I believe, right? Um, originally, oh. uh, when I was finishing up uh, uh, Dark Woods... Um, you had posted something on the South Coast, I think, message board, and she, uh, Katie emailed me and said, this isn't from um, Freetown, so I'm not sure you'd be interested. In, and then as soon as she started talking about it, I was like, yes, 100% I am interested. So that's paranormal in itself. Somebody actually went on those message boards and, and read them? Because I was posting stuff on there for two years that nobody ever read. So yeah, put like, something on about ghosts, and all of a sudden people are checking it out. All they got were continual references to my own website whenever I would ask anything on those Oh, check out this place. I'm like, that, thanks, that's me. Yeah. So. <laughs> oh, this guy's good. I talk to myself too often to do it online. MassCrossroads.com. Uh, that's great. See, so you got to put in the plug. I'm with you. MassCrossroads.com. Dark Woods. Yeah, Dark Woods. Books. Yes, or directly from my website. Um, but uh, Katie had contacted me and said that she was hang- having activity in the house. Um, the number one thing, the first thing that popped into my head um, when she started talking was that the house, uh, besides being extremely old, was also um, formerly a funeral parlor. Um, and it was a funeral. It had been converted to a funeral parlor, and then out of a funeral parlor. Um, and she had had a, a lot of activity, especially um, at that point. Uh, voices being called uh, was kind of one of the first things that she had said, and almost being said in the entire email was uh, voices being called. And I was like, you know, I'd really like to get out there and see what's gonna, what's up. And I was like, okay, who can I get in the area? And the first person was Matt Moniz. So called up Matt and was like, You're hey, do you want to investigate the house? Yeah, well, yeah, actually. The other people <laughs> never returned the phone call, so fifth down my list, Matt Moniz, uh, uh, you know, had a Mr. Balzano. So, um, so uh, we went out to the house, and uh, and we got their story down, and almost immediately, well, immediately, we, we got evidence um, of something odd going on there, as, a, as well as getting more of the stories that are... Uh, that are going on in the house. So, well, why don't we take a step back, uh, Katie and, and John? How long have you lived in the house? When did you first start to realize that something was going on? I've uh, been living there almost six years, and almost immediately upon moving in, doors would unlock. Um, a crock pot came off the top of the refrigerator. Bowls came off of a um, a baker's rack and were just lined up on the floor while no one was in the house. I'd come back from being at work and there would be bowls on the floor. And you would hear things over the baby monitor and you'd get to, I'd walk to the room and it would stop. And then I'd go back into the living room, carrying the baby monitor with me Mm -hmm. and it would start up again. You would hear like a whisper, like staticky whisper. And that would be it. But it's not all the time. Can I just say, too, just as an aside, as somebody that was a parent with a baby monitor, those things are creepy anyway. Yeah, yes. <laughs> and when you're in this right. field, it's really not a good yeah, thing. Yeah, that, that was the number one thing uh, that my wife said when, when uh, my son was born. It's like, we are not using this for any kind of spirit communication, if anything. So actually, one night um, we heard him 
and I, I think he said Andy, which is the, dead, uh, the name of my dead father-in-law. Oh. And uh, we were like, that's it, shut it off. And we didn't turn it back on for a week. So <laughs> my, my wife sold ours at a yard sale just in anticipation that I would try to use it for those right. purposes. We actually bought a new one for the new baby. <laughs> and it's on right now. <laughs> we, uh, and I, we found out recently that the neighbor across the street can hear me sing to my daughter when I change her diaper. <laughs> yeah. now, well, now, Joe. Which is scarier than anything that you're going to uh, actually hear. <laughs> yes. It's this, <laughs> when, when you first looked into the house, did you know about its history? Did they make you aware actually, of its past? Katie owned the house before I met her. Um, we met almost five years ago. And she used to tell me about the house and I thought she was crazy. Um, but it was when I started bringing my dog to visit mm-hmm. that we saw a lot of things happen with the dog. And she started to just bark at things that weren't there. Yeah, she was, you know, I had a big bull mastiff, and she was really, she was a good girl, and but when she was very protective, and she used to bark a lot at things that weren't there. Uh, she had one day where she was barking at Katie's dresser, and this is the first thing that I ever saw that just totally changed my mind. She had a rubber Kong, like a chew toy, mm-hmm. and the thing shot out from underneath her dresser. And Britta ran over, grabbed it, and was wagging her tail and ran away. That was... Almost like it was trying to play fetch with the dog. Yeah, yeah, it was underneath the dresser, and whatever... It was obvious that whatever was down there liked the dog, Mm -hmm. and it threw the Kong to her. So when... When you did purchase the house, they they didn't tell you about its history? They didn't? No. Um, I signed the papers, and then they gave me an old clipping from the Standard Times that showed it as a funeral parlor. Hmm. I think that kind of thing Thanks. would kind of be required. Well, good luck. And it, uh, it's, I guess it's not. <laughs> and it should be said that that one of the things that I've really tracked um, during the investigations and kind of doing the history of it is that uh, the activity fluctuates with the different personalities that are in there, kind of like we were talking with uh, with Tom's story. Different personalities that are in there and um, the different uh, aspects of things. And there was a, a police officer who lived in the house before then who, uh, if I remember correctly, wouldn't even come to the closing. Um, there was, uh, you know, a family living there that was tearing the place apart. Um, so it, it just seems like I mean, when, when they moved in, here I'm talking for them, but uh, it seems like <laughs> like when they moved in, the house itself was already in disarray. Um, and seemed to be the house that kind of no one wanted that was kind of discarded. They've had a lot of trouble keeping people into this house, keeping families in there? Yes. So and you would think, you know, they would kind of tell you why when you're going. It, it never came up at all. I didn't ask because I fell in love with the house, mm-hmm. and I probably wouldn't have cared. At the time, Otherwise, yeah. no. Well, well, you guys have done a great job with the house architecturally, and what you've done with the interior it looks beautiful. Thank you. Uh, I think that's that's uh, that's one of yeah. the things that that Mike said on his first. Can I, you know, I can ask everyone. Well, what was your opinion of it? And Mike said that the house is very very warm. Uh, Mike Markowitz from East Bridgewater's most haunted. Right. It's very very warm and it reflects the people that own it. Well, thank Cr- you, Chris. Maybe you can uh, help me out on this. Does Massachusetts have the the law that requires you to report if there's been uh, history of paranormal activity? Yeah, that's what I've been told. Okay, so that's then. But you know what? I have I have at least half a dozen cases. Uh, where there is paranormal activity in a house, and the previous owner was a either a town or a state cop, so it seems to be a, a trend for sure. So, and that kind of—they're not going to be the kind of people that are going to disclose that information anyway. Right, right, just, right. They have something more on the line than just yeah. So you started to realize that this stuff was going on, and were you were you scared by it? Were you just intrigued by it? Did it seem to have any kind of negativity or positivity to it? I was more intrigued. I'm not 
really afraid to be by myself in the house. My daughter hates to be alone in the house. She won't go upstairs to the attic. She will not go down to the basement. She's not a fan of staying by herself. How old is she? She'll be 13 in two weeks. Uh, so she's right at that age where if there is something going on, it'll kind of, you know, target her and kind of amp up around her. Right, and she gets her name called all the time. Yeah, yep. as do I. We all think it's Katie. We're, right, we're, they all think it's me it, calling their names. It mimics your voice? or it, No, it's, it's a, like a motherly woman's voice. And, uh, you know, we constantly think it's Katie calling us, trying to get a hold of us. Or, I'll be in the kitchen doing dishes or something, and... Someone will come in, John, or one of the kids will come in and say, what? What do you want? And I'm like, I'm not calling you. Uh, John described it really uh, really well for me and said, it kind of sound like when your mom's not mad at you, but she's trying to wake you up. Ah. That's the voice that, that's uh, the courtier. That's, yeah. that's what I hear constantly. That's why I, still that's why I say the thing. motherly voice. And, and so it was just that type of approach. It was just that type of, like an extra family member almost. I only got my name called for the very first time today. Really? I've never heard anything. I hear, like, just the whispers and stuff mm-hmm. that you can't tell what they are, but I've never been called until this morning. And it sounded like my daughter. It said, Mummy. So it kind of can change its personality? And our experiences are completely different than our tenants on the second floor. Yep. They have completely different experiences than we have. So it's a multi-family home? Yes. How many f- different families live in the home? And two. two. Two, and there's three floors. The third floor is abandoned. It's, it's it, storage. It, it was the, it was the yeah. servants' quarters in the attic. It should be noted, too, that you asked if it had different personalities. There are several different ghosts in the house. Okay. Yeah. Several different spirits in the house. It's not just uh, just one. And it, it could also be uh, Tom and, and my... Uh, and Matt, you can tell me what you think about this, but it also seems to be a little bit of a way station. Uh, people seem to come and go there quite quickly. Well, Tom, uh, I'll ask you maybe what is it that makes you realize that there is more than one spirit in there? What, what were you able to document in terms of differentiating between them? Well, we got, when I, I got some EVPs, and one was in um, uh, one of the abandoned rooms on the third floor, and that was when I walked in. And I first walked in, I had the camera go, and I introduced my name. Hi, my name's Tom. I'm just here. You know, you want to show up on camera? And then I brought the hookups upstairs to the camera, and I said, hello again. And then I brought the tripod upstairs, and I said, hello again. It's just me. And then the fourth time I went up, I said, hello again. But when I played the tape back, I hear a voice, a gentle voice saying, hello again to me, hmm. just before that. But then I got another one uh, later when... Arlene and I were up there. She said, she asked a question, what, what's uh, the name of this house again? And you hear, nothing, nothing. So clearly a different. Yeah, two clearly very different um, voices. And, and that to me was like, whoa. <laughs> and also a lot of chatter back and forth between yeah. them. And about us, about the other spirits that are in the house, too. So it's. They were mocking us, too. Yeah. <laughs> when, uh, well, they fit right in on this show, then, because I mock Moniz the whole time. Well, the very first time I went in the house with Chris, when we got up to the third floor, I audibly heard what to me sounded like little kids saying, they're here. And I right. immediately went to the went into that back bedroom. Right, right. And that, and that back bedroom kind of, now I'm not sensitive at all, and I went into that back bedroom, and I, I almost had to leave the room because I became physically sick. I was like, I had never experienced that in she any turned, investigation. Pardon the expression, why does a ghost? <laughs> Actually, I get sick when I'm up, up there. I have a hard time up there. And I get physically sick up there. What about EMF? I'm sure you guys uh, took no, EMF readings. Nothing of any significance, no. Nothing. 
So there's no physical reason for that type of feeling. It has to be something. Psychic. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a uh, you know, no offense, it's extremely hot. Um, uh, I was just actually going over the video and 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 Matt Moniz is drenched uh, from head to toe. I think we all were at that last investigation because it was so hot. Um, other than that, there's absolutely nothing about that, um, and and it's and it's somewhat confined to that room. You walk out of the room and you can kind of feel the air change. Mm-hmm. How are we doing on time, Matt? Just okay. Just keep me up to date because I can't see the the computer clock. Uh, so you said that you know you have no problem, Katie, going around the house, but that your daughter does. Are there other people that have come into the house that say, "I just can't stay here. I can't be here." Anybody that when they walk in, it kind of smacks them right in the face. It's not really on the first floor that it would smack you in the face. It's, like you said, it's comfortable. It's a comfortable house. Mm -hmm. My husband can't stand going up to the attic. My son won't go up to the attic. He's going to be, he's six. He won't, he, they fight over who's going to go up and bring stuff up to the attic. That's pretty brave of you, John. <laughs> he goes up first. Send him <laughs> first the dog, if then the boy. There's going to be a then... sacrifice to be made. Yeah, it's and it's also, uh, the activity for them has decreased um, since, uh, it was Katie's your mother, right? Who was, right. Mm-hmm. Katie's mother was living in the house uh, on right. that third floor. She moved out. Uh, Kurt and Jen moved in yep. onto the second floor. Uh, and since that time, uh, it's almost as if the activity uh, moved on, like actually walked up the stairs. Or, or yeah. the energy that was going up there, because keep in mind, I mean, it's my theory that all three floors have three separate kind of things going on, or at least the first floor with the second floor not necessarily connected, um, that, you know, that kind of energy dissipated to some degree um, and moved upstairs or, or was activated upstairs. Well, he says there's three different spirits on three different levels is it kind of like a territorial thing where they've decided okay you can have this one i'll have this one you'll have that one Do, if i can express my opinion I, mean, I think that it wasn't all roses and flowers when the mother was there um there seemed to be some tension there and maybe her leaving uh dissipated that energy that tension was kind between of, her and right the spirits. right and it's kind of you know I, I feel about the house that it's a lot having to do with the energy that can be shown into any one section of the house um high emotional level now going on in the second floor and so you have and, and renovations and kind of all these very classic uh haunting type things going on in the second floor leading into the third floor and so now that seems to be like you know the energy seems to be focused into there not necessarily you know this is my haunted area that's yours uh matt Moniz, any physical properties to the building to the dwelling itself that would lend to the strong amount of activity there they're very close to the Kushnet river um as we all know, water is a very good conduit for energy. And for some people, they feel that spirits are able to tap into that type of energy. The close proximity, yeah, I would say that that would be one geological feature that would be added to it. The um, fieldstone um, cellar, which is basically comprised of large stone, quartz stones uh, with uh, mortar and concrete, uh, could also add to a piezoelectric effect, adding more energy that could be utilized by spirits, theoretically, if this is what is supposedly happening. Yeah, there's plenty of energy for them to tap into. And now, um, so the house could be like a battery. Basically, yeah. Uh, Katie, I know it's not the kind of thing you knock on the next door neighbor and ask them, hey, you know, can I borrow a cup of sugar and do you have a ghost? But have any of the other neighbors around there had any kind of reports of activity that, y- that you're aware of? Um, 
Not to the best of my knowledge. I asked the woman across the street, and she said she wishes, but nothing's ever happened at her house. <laughs> Come on over. I'll show you something. She's actually been a good source of information because she used to clean the house. Right. When, uh, a long time ago when the lady that lived there. 30 years ago or so, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So, and when you contacted Chris and, and everybody got together, and, and Matt, you brought Tom in, you and Chris brought Tom in? Yeah, Chris contacted Tom. I had known Tom from before, but, you know, it was good to actually get in and work with him. Yeah. Right. We've been to the house uh, three times now. The first time was just Matt and I. The second time we brought Lucky, who's been on the show before, mm-hmm. and uh, Mike Markowitz. And the third time we brought um, we brought Tom and Arlene in. And then uh, another one of your fellow investigators, I can't remember his Kevin. name, Kevin. Yeah. Um, and then someone else was, oh, then Mike came back with us. So we've kind of we've run it through all these different kind of paranormal perspectives and all these different kind of talents and and uh, you know all of them who are much more talented at investigating than me. I'm just trying to get the right people there and and I think it's some place that we definitely have to bring. Um, you know, I, I would love to have Keith go out there mm-hmm. or have another person who who I've started working with go out there because uh, I think that whatever is there, uh, based on some of the evidence which we'll probably get into, um, wants to talk. It, and I just want to make sure that the, the, the wanting communication is of a, a genuine, pure nature. No, it's definitely intelligent because it's using it's used all of our names. Not mine. Not with, mine. with the exception no of you. No one likes me. No one likes me. <laughs> it, it yeah, I mean, the, us too. the first it time I mean, questions. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 ridiculous. I mean, it's one of those things where if we all just kind of did a live remote there right now, we would get some kind of evidence. I mean, it's just the first time it said Matt's name very clearly. Second time it says, "What do you want us to do?" It says very clearly go away um these are the ones that kind of i got and i'm, I'm not the best evp person you know I, I bow to these guys with that but mm-hmm. i was even and not only was i pulling out evidence they were so loud and so clear i was running a, um, a paranormal investigating class in my high school and in a, in a in a noisy room full of 14 and 15 year olds kids heard it and went wait a minute stop that i just heard a voice um, I mean, it's that loud and it's that active. And does it seem like it reacts differently to the different people that you bring into the house, or is it kind of the same toward each person? I would say each trip is pretty much consistent uh, with what's going on, but not necessarily each person. So, you know, it was very much uh, hesit- no, like hesitant. Well, there's there's well, always I don't there's always to this person, there's all, no not a non person. There's there's a few different personalities that seem not to want to talk. Um, when we went there the second time. Um, it was very much, um, maybe just because of Mike's setup, very much active chatter all the time. I mean, throughout the entire session, um, but also seemed um, like you would maybe even be when you first meet someone or just getting to know someone. Very hesitant, like Shh, they were actually telling each other not to talk. Yeah. We're being recorded. Don't talk. Wow. Um, you can hear this on the recorder. Yeah. And this is not. And this is why this case is so insane. And then it seems the third time it was kind of like uh, maybe the when you start hanging out with someone and you can mess with them a little bit and you can kind of start pulling tricks on them and and stuff like that so it's kind of and what we're weighing is this kind of you know is it intentionally being mischievous because it's something different or is it like has something else come in or is it is it because of that familiarity it's getting with us and so and and everything uh tom and matt everything seems to be of a of a intelligent nature and it oh yeah Something formally human, too? Nothing. Uh, well, I got two. It sounded like twice as someone saying Patrick, too. So that's kind of. I don't I don't know if there's anyone ever lived in named Patrick. So I, I was wondering if there was any way to find out names of all these voices. We've got Patrick. We've got Dean. Uh, it's called for a few times. 
Uh-huh. Michael. Michael. Whoa. Dylan. Oh, Dylan. That's, but, it's uh, Dylan, not... not but uh, they are intelligent because they did answer our questions. They did actually, when I said, oh, when I was saying hello again, it started saying hello again to me first, but when I played it back on tape. And then we so. got the, uh, <laughs> the probably the greatest EVP of all time, which has nothing to do with anything, but Mike actually recorded an EVP that says, once you try crack, you'll never go back. <laughs> so we're picking really? up all this other weird stuff too, and then also, which was probably That's the a commercial, <laughs> um, probably one of the saddest ones we've gotten there was the you know if you love me why do you hit me? Wow! So it just really seems to be residual stuff we're picking up as well as. So I mean, do you think in in what you've acquired and and what you've experienced in the house, do you think that this is probably the spirits of people who came into it when it was a funeral home, or do you think it was something totally unrelated to that? I think where it's so old, so many people have lived there, that it could be from people that live there or... Right, and we have a predominant um, theme that goes on. We've got, it sounds like children running up and down the stairs. It's hardwood floors, and it was, it started, I guess, last Christmas, Christmas Eve. You know how kids get excited on Christmas Eve. They were running up and down the stairs, and the guy from second floor opened the door thinking it was my kids to open the door and say, what are you guys doing? There was no one there. And then I heard it later on after everyone had gone for the night. Have there been a lot of kids that have lived there over the years, as far as you know? I have no idea. Because I actually have a theory about, about children, ghosts, and children energy. And I guess we only got a couple minutes here, but I'll, I'll share it real quick. I think uh, having watched my son as he grows up, they expend so much energy. They have so much to burn that I think that it's just making that imprint. And then that's why we have these, you know, every haunted location you have ghosts you know, uh, not necessarily, it doesn't really work if it's an intelligent haunting and it's responding to things. But in terms of residual energy, I think the kids just burn it off and leave it behind. Well, there might be a residual or an intelligent haunting that doesn't like that about the house. Yes. If, you, if, if someone else wants to get into that. Oh, like the old lady yelling at the kids? Yes. All right, this sounds like a good place to stop, and we'll pick it up in the next hour. Because uh, we definitely want to get into some of the, the evidence that you've gathered, and we'll play some of the EVPs. Uh, maybe we can get some up on the radio in, in the next hour. And what we'll do is uh, usually at the top of hour number, well, it will be three tonight, but it would normally be hour number two, the 11 o'clock hour, we'll do the Weekend Weird. We'll push that off. Uh, till the end of the show, or maybe not even at all, as we go over more of this evidence. If you have any questions, if you have any experiences you'd like to share, maybe you've had similar experiences and you want to let us know about it, just give us a call at 508-996-0500, 508-291-0500, and uh, we can talk to you about that. And, of course, if you if you have a story that you'd like to tell, an experience that you'd like to share, this is probably the best panel you could talk to because we have uh, investigators, we have people who chronicle uh, these type of activity. We have a call. Let's take it real quick before the break. How much time, Matt? One minute. Okay, one minute. Uh, good evening. You're on Spooky South Coast. How you doing? You are interviewing John and Katie? We are, yes. <laughs> yes, well, they just... Hold on, let me get out of the room. That's good. I just opened up the door, went upstairs, and talked to them. I said, you got to be quiet, blah, blah, blah. I come back downstairs. They shut our radio completely off. Nobody was touching it. Well, that hurts our ratings. everything off. That's bad for ratings. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. You know, we'd like to talk to you, actually, uh, in, in the next hour, if you don't mind uh, hanging on or, or calling us back at uh, about 11.06. Yeah, that's fine. I all mean, right. all kinds of weird things are going on. They shut everything off. They wouldn't let us listen to the radio. Nothing. Okay. Well, yeah. we will uh, we'll definitely talk to you in the next hour. More on this case, the Cushion Haunting. We'll talk about it more when we come back here on Spooky South Coast. <laughs> 
lost civilizations, extraterrestrials, myths and monsters, missing persons, magic and witchcraft, unexplained phenomena. For 58 years, Fate has provided true reports of the strange and unknown. Fate is a factual magazine containing articles by experts in all walks of life and by others just like you who have had something dynamic, significant, and truthful to say. Keep up with the latest on all aspects of the paranormal. Angels and miracles, psychic phenomena, ghosts, UFOs, and much, much more. To subscribe, call now at 1-800-728-2730 or visit their website at fatemag.com. That's 1-800-728-2730 or www.fatemag.com. What are you waiting for? Your fate awaits. This is usually the part when people start screaming. Turn on all your lights, lock the doors, and pull down the shades. Spooky South Coast is back. I'm not afraid. You will be. Spooky South Coast. No, you're not going crazy. We have been on the air for three hours. If you tuned in at 10, you tuned in too late. Because we are in the midst of our huge local South Coast haunt show. And if you missed any part of it, you can download it on SpookySouthCoast.com or iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Matt Moniz, where do you get your podcasts? iTunes, yeah. yeah. Okay, there you go. I knew that you didn't get podcasts. That's why I asked you. So uh, we are back here. We are talking about the house in Akushnet that Katie and John live in, where they have had uh, a whole bevy of activity. And we were talking with Chris Balzano and Tom D'Agostino. Uh, they, let's just throw out one more mention of their books before uh, the end of the night. Chris Balzano's new book is called Dark Woods, Cults, Crime, and the Paranormal in the Freetown State Forest. And Tom D'Agostino is the author of Haunted Massachusetts, Haunted Rhode Island, Haunted New Hampshire, and the new one, uh, Pirates. Uh, Pirate Ghosts. And Phantom Ships. There you go. And they are all available uh, through shifferbooks.com, as well as if you go to spookysouthcoast.com, click on the blog, we have a link to all their books as well, and you can see their smiling faces. And we have to throw out a thank you to Arlene as well for the, the brownies. Outstanding. Excellent. We always love uh, whenever we can get fed here on Spooky South Coast. It doesn't happen often. We're very appreciative when it, when it does happen. Well, uh, maybe we can. Now I can accept that as, you know. A payment for doing an oh. investigation. Food? Food, oh, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Food, 
Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> That's we'll uh, work for food. And you know, and before anybody comes down on us, Taps has the same rule of thumb: if you want to feed them, they won't turn it away. <laughs> so there you go. But uh, we are talking about about the the house in a cushion, uh, and we were talking to Kurt, the gentleman who lives on the second floor, right before we went off the air. And you guys said that he was telling you that there was still some activity going on, yes. even during the news break. Right. He said that. Um, he heard his friend went into the kitchen. He's got guests over, and they heard what sounded like a growl come out of the uh, pantry, and he heard what sounded like um, ice cubes being dropped into a glass. He said he was going to call in and tell us what was going on. But. All right, well, 508 996 Those are the numbers. If Kurt or anyone would like to call in and share with us their experiences in the paranormal realm, now, when you guys went in for these investigations, uh, Matt Moniz, what were some of the different techniques and different approaches that you used to try to get these? Obviously, you know, they're, they're making a lot of noise. They're very ready to talk and, and let you know their presence. But what other methods did you use to document their presence? Uh, mainly, I just used my um, digital recorders, took my digital camera that I was going around with me. Like I said, I had Chris Balzano with me the very first time we were in there. And no more than two two seconds getting up into the third floor, hearing audibly what sounded like small kids in that other room. Everybody headed off left, and as soon as I came around, I heard them, and that's when I turned right to head into that room. I you could there was definite palpable energy in the room, if, to use that type of term. Um, you could feel that there's there's something there was something there. But I tried with my recorder and um, was taking a couple of still photographs and uh, get Chris, who really hasn't done that many investigations of hauntings, was able to get stuff on his recorder, which actually came out. Yeah, that's, like I said, I mean, I got those EVPs. Um, We've taken video, but we've gotten nothing. Um, The second time we were there, uh, we set up all our stuff, and then we just kind of went outside to chill with them and kind of go over some of the evidence we had. And um, as Lucky was going down the stairs, he kind of did okay. You know, now I'm leaving. And uh, the front light uh, flashed a few times, got really, really bright, and then dimmed back down to normal. So mm-hmm. these aren't just things that, you know, we're picking up and, and uh, translating. These are things that are happening kind of as we're there sometimes, too. And, and Kurt kind of had some of the Kind of had the most amazing thing um, happen to him. I don't know if we want to let him share it when he calls in. Sure, I think he's on the line right Beautiful. now, actually. I'm the master of segways today. You are. You're the segway king. Good evening. Welcome to Spooky South Coast. Is this Kurt? Hello, this is Kurt. Excellent, Kurt. Well, Chris kind of set you up there if you want to knock it down. He said that you had the, the most interesting experience in the house. Well, we have. We've, when we redid the apartment upstairs, I was painting the kitchen and I thought maybe it was a cat tugging on my shirt, and I turned around and looked, and there was nothing there, but it felt like something was pulling on my shirt. When I looked around, there was nothing there, so evidently it must have been like a little child, the children that we hear upstairs yanking on my shirt. And we've heard voices, my children who stay in the summer actually heard voices outside in the hallway, and they thought it was in the street. Then, actually, tonight, not that I'm racing things, but tonight, I went to open the door. I went up to the third floor, and I was talking, telling them, you know, you can talk, you can say whatever you want. 
and I heard nothing. I came back downstairs, went into the living room to listen to the stereo, and it shut right off. We had, Jennifer had to turn it back on so that we could listen to it. I was wondering if you could uh, you could share with everybody the uh, the story of the uh, baby powder, though. Mm. Oh, the baby powder, that's whole different. Now, now, first of all, I guess we should set it up first as, as Matt Moniz uh, asked them to do that. Uh, Spread put, baby powder all over the floor. We, yes. And... Put, just on a funny note, the last time we were there, um, <laughs> because it, which is kind it's of interesting, really is funny. that yeah, well, um, for us it's it's funny uh, when we were there, but um, the uh, the people that are in the house and the children that are in the house kind of know what's going on and, and kind of you know have a little bit of a uh, they know what words to use and things like that. So um, I'm, I think it was Kurt. Was it was it your kids? That went up there and said, "Well, we're going to get evidence," and they and they splattered the entire uh, floor with it. So there was nowhere to walk, and we didn't know that. And we went up there, and we were sliding all over the place. <laughs> no, that was me. Was it you? Okay. It was me. That was no. That was yeah, right. But then, then after we left, he had a serious encounter with the with the powder. Yeah, after after they had put the powder down, we noticed a a, a larger footprint than what mine is going into like the small closet. And Kurt has big feet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But not that big. It almost kind of looks like a this, Fred Flintstone. It doesn't even. Mm. Bigfoot is another show. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually because I, I was reviewing it last, tonight. It's got, it's almost more like fat foot. Yeah. I mean, it's got these really like yeah. fat features I have a size to it. Eleven, and this was more like a size thirteen or fourteen. I, I wasn't there. I wasn't there. I haven't been in the house yet. <laughs> well, I hope not. Not when I'm home, anyway. But anyway, once it noticed the footprint, then later on. I had this, we, after the powder was put down again, it was like this um, design of like this weird-looking weird wolf, and there was a woman with the head, the arms, and a long dress, and that was made in the powder. And also I went upstairs and I said, look, what's the matter? You, I'm here, I live here all the time, I'm not working. I got hurt, so I'm home all the time. Are you scared to talk to us or what? And the next time I went up, in the powder was printed, yes. Hmm. Like, we are afraid to talk to you. And there was no way anybody else got up there and no, um, manipulated it? Was, no. I was the only one home besides with my wife when she comes home from work. But other than that, nobody was up there. Nobody. You know, and, and when, right. some, when something like this happens, you know, it's not like Kurt saying... The walls are bleeding, and, and uh -huh. I'm seeing the you know ghost, you know running, you know I'm seeing the ghost running up and down the stairs. Um, they've been nothing more than truthful. I feel uh, everyone involved in investigating it, and so when Kurt tells us that he sees yes written in the in the powder, I I, I believe him. Not to mention the photograph yeah. that he sent of it. Right, right, and and could could have gone. Oh, I'm going to put yes, and he could have, but I honestly don't feel that that that's the case here. I mean, is sure. there anything scientific where I've hooked him up to a polygraph and said? You know, did you write in the talcum powder? Well, um, I'd take a polygraph because I didn't do it. Oh, no, I see. I don't the, need, I'm a, you know, I trust you. He's a human polygraph. So. <laughs> I and don't that even footprint want was here, large. You know what I mean? They've, they've touched yeah. my wife. My wife got up to go to the bathroom one about 3, 4 o'clock in the morning. She got up, went to the bathroom, come back, laid down, and she wasn't even asleep yet. And something touched her arm, and when she turned around, she could hear little footprints running off towards our closet in the bedroom. Now she wasn't; she didn't even get to sleep, so she knows it wasn't a dream. She 
she had just laid down, and she could feel somebody touching her arm, like, wake up, wake up, get up. And it wasn't the cat, because we don't allow the cat in the bedroom, because he raises holy hell all night. So we keep him out of the bedroom. And that's mostly what it is. You don't really see anything full on. You hear things and you feel things. You see things out of the corner of your eye. What about the sounds of, like, the bell that you guys put upstairs? Why don't you get into that? The bell is a whole different thing, too. Yeah, the bell is a different thing. I put the bell up there. Um, I don't remember who told me, but... Wasn't it Chris that told you to put the bell up there? No, it wasn't. I think it was Marianne from the community center told me that, you know, if you give them something to play with... Mm -hmm. They'll think it's their own. So when my aunt died, I got a bell that we bought in Ireland, and I put it up on the shelf, and I said, this is for you. You can ring it any time you want to. And shortly after that, <laughs> Jen from second floor says she hears the bell ring at least three, four times a week. She hears it ringing all the time. Now, Kurt, did you put powder around the bell? Because I thought yeah, you I did. Yeah, I put powder on the bell. I didn't see any footprints, but what I noticed, I if you remember when I took right. pictures of the bell, I took a picture of the bell, and then one minute later I took a picture of the bell, and I didn't think anything of it till I went through them. Between when I took the picture of the bell, one minute later, the bell was in a different position, and I still have the pictures in my phone. They were in two different positions. Right. Within one minute. Right. Wow. Now, so is the third floor where you get most of the audio stuff, like, so overtly? Is that where you can really hear it, where you can really pick up on it? Are you asking me? Anybody. Well, they they hear it out. Kurt and Jen hear it outside of their room. They hear the running, like, from one room to another room, Mm -hmm. but then also up and down the stairs. Right. Um, Right. The EVP evidence. And then when I brought Margaret in, I went upstairs just kidding around the bird. Margaret's my – I have a cockatoo. And I said, I have the bird inside now so he can come play with it. Well, I put the bird in the cage in the hallway, and all of a sudden you could hear little footprints running across the floor coming down the stairs. It was like they were so excited that they could have the bird back in the house that they wanted to come right down and play with the bird. How does the bird feel about that? (laughs) The bird screams. Margaret always... You can, there's different squawks that she makes, and she has one squawk. If she's touched and doesn't want to be, she really makes a noise. And, Sounds like a pterodactyl. Yeah. <laughs> she'll make a noise, and she'll look right up the stairs like, who's touching me? It's weird. And I don't see anything, ever. But she can actually feel it and just look right up the stairs. So in terms of evidence, I think all the EVP evidence that we three have gotten has been on the third floor. Um, right. Just because that's where we've spent the majority of our time. Well, the stuff Mike got is kind of hard to tell where it comes from because he says ten mics that he sets up. Yep. And they all get fed into the same thing, so he can't tell necessarily where a certain bite is coming from. He can just tell that it, he got it. Well, oh, you, can, you can hear them. The, I mean, you know they're around. The I reason want, I, I asked him, matter of fact, I had went upstairs and said, told the children, I said, look, you can, you, know, you can come down, Margaret's in the house, you can play with the bird, blah, blah, blah. And I had talked to, I think, Chris, and I told him what I said, and he goes, well, you shouldn't really do that because it's not a good idea. So I went, I think it was a couple days later, I went upstairs and I said, look, you're no longer invited in my house, you have to stay out. 
stay upstairs where you belong. And about 10 minutes later, and that was like after 12 o'clock, the upstairs door slammed shut like they were really pissed off because I went to the river through a tantrum. Downstairs. <laughs> well, the, the reason why I ask if, if there's a lot of audio activity on the third floor is I was, I was wondering, Kurt, if you want to try an experiment. Would you be willing to partake in an experiment on live radio? Yeah, you can. Yeah, you can. Do you, yeah. do you, uh, do you have a cordless phone? Well, I'm on a cell, no, I'm on a cell phone right now. Would it, would it work up on the third floor? Yeah, it probably would. Yeah. Do you want to, uh, do you want to hang up and then give us a call back when you're up there and we'll take a break. When we come back, we'll see if we can pick up anything. I was already up there and let me tell you, it got like freezing freaking cold. It is freezing <laughs> cold up, up there. there. Just I'll go, go up there. I up there and then I turned chicken. Well, you can make one of the other people in the house go up there too if you want. <laughs> I'm all, I'm all brave as long as I'm inside my own house. Yeah, he's brave until he gets upstairs. Well, do you want to, do you want to try it? Do you want to see if somebody wants to yeah, go up there and place I'll, a phone I'll up there? I'll try it. I mean, the least they can do is throw me down the stairs. I mean, That's the very worst that will happen. And Matt Modis will cover your medical bills, he said. Right. So. Okay, well, why don't we take a break, and uh, when we come back, you can give us a call back when you're up there. Okay. All right, we'll try that. All right, well, why don't we take that break, Matt Costa, since we have to pay some bills here. And when we come back, we will try this. Who knows? It might work. So stay tuned and see what happens here on Spooky South Coast. Hello. Hey, man. Hello. You up? No. Wake up. I need to talk to you. I think your house is haunted. Hey, come on. It's 2.30 in the morning. I can't sleep in here, man. I'm scared. Welcome back to Spooky South Coast. Tim Weisberg here. Sorry, I was jamming out to the Michael Jackson. We are talking about local South Coast haunts. Earlier in the evening, we talked about the DeMello family from Westport, and that the name of that book is Our Demons, Our Forefathers by Thomas DeMello and our guest earlier in the program, Thomas Nickerson. You can pick that up uh, in all the local bookstores, and also there's a link to purchase it online on SpookySouthCoast.com. But, you know, wherever you go on to buy books, Amazon, or well, that's the only one I know that we can promote uh, for sure. But uh, wherever you buy books online, you can also find it there as well. And that's where you can also find Dark Woods, Cults, Crime, and Paranormal in the Freetown State Forest, as well as Haunted Massachusetts, Haunted Rhode Island, Haunted New Hampshire, and Pirate Ghosts and Phantom Ships, all by Tom D'Agostino. And Chris Balzano, when's your, when's your next book due? Uh, my next one is actually due around May. Uh, that's called... Um, uh, the name of your own book. Yeah, Ghostly Adventures or something like that. It's it's a, it's one I wrote for uh, a publisher. Um, it's kind of like a, you know, come in, work on it a little bit, and then put it out there. So it's my name on it, but it kind of, I basically took someone else's book and rewrote it. Um, and then... So you, so you plagiarize. It's not plagiarism when the, when the publisher actually gives okay. you the material okay. and says, you know, change this around. Ghostly Adventures, there you go, that's what it's called. All right. Ghostly Adventures. Um is due out in May or June. Uh, that was kind of pushed back a little bit. And then uh, this t- or next Halloween will be Ghost of the Bridgewater Triangle. Awesome. Um, and that's actually going to feature uh, uh, John and Katie's story in it. So. Excellent. Can't wait for that one. And, uh, Tom, you have anything that you're uh, currently working on? I know that uh, Pirate Ghosts and Phantom Ships is soon to come out. But uh, is there anything else that you're in the process of writing now? Actually, yeah, we're almost finished with Abandoned Villages of New England. 
Wow. There's yeah. enough to write a whole book about them? I found about 40 of them. Wow. Yeah, that are, are really notable, and some cost more notable than others, and we put in all the ghosts and incredible stories of these places. Are you able to get into a lot of these locations where you know other people might not have been? Yes, actually. Um, some of them are way deep in the woods and a bit of a hike, but others were pretty close by, and we could get in and get to them. And uh, Dogtown, Barahack, we have permission, Ramtail, Hinton City, places like that, yeah. It works out well that you're not afraid of a little poison ivy. Where's the one you dragged me out to in Connecticut? Um, the name of that one. Oh, what was that? Uh, Patchogue State Forest, Maud's Grave? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that one too. <laughs> All right, well, we'll definitely keep our eyes peeled for that. We'll have you back to talk about that as well. So make sure you go out and check out these books. Great authors, great information, and everybody that we have on the show brings their own special style to what they cover. So, you know, with, you might have read a book about ghosts in Massachusetts. You might have read a book about, well, not about the Freetown State Forest, but, you know, you might have read another book about, you know, ghostly encounters. But you have to understand everybody's different take and what they're looking for out of the story and that's what's so great about involving these investigators on this case because they each bring a unique perspective and a neat and a unique sensibility to what it is they're doing matt moniz has these old tricks that he'll try that work from all the time and he's also wants that scientific proof you know i've seen the guy in action some of the stuff that he comes up with i'm like what where did you think but it works you know, the, the powder on the floor trick, you know, he recommends that to people that call in and say, I think I have a ghost. And I'm like, that's just going to make a mess. But it works. It works in two respects. Number one, if there's activity, you see the footprints and it's a medium for them to make communication. If it's just, you know, I hear these things across the floor. You look on the floor later on and you see these tiny little footprints and, you know, a tail drag mark. You know, it's not a ghost. You know, it's time to call an exterminator. So it, it works in both respects. I think we, you know, it looked like Kurt had called in, and we, we had him on hold during the break, and I think he either got too scared or he froze to death up the stairs <laughs> on the third floor. So either way, we got a problem. But uh, if he wants to try to call back, 508-996-0500, 508-2910-500, and we invite anybody to call in with any questions or stories that they might have that they want to share. So you guys are comfortable living in this house then with all this activity going on. It, it never... Never crosses your mind to be concerned about it when you really aren't sure exactly who all these spirits are? No. No. No one's ever been hurt or threatened to be hurt. He doesn't care for it. <laughs> but, I mean, no, wanting I don't, to... I don't care. Wanting to avoid it and being afraid of it are two different things. Yeah. Some people just choose not to encounter it because it's a different whole belief system that they want to jump into. They're not afraid of it, but they just don't want to start questioning everything that they ever thought beforehand. Uh, other people are afraid of it, and they just want to stay away. Right. I feel bad if it is children, if they're stuck. I do feel bad about that, but... But at the same time, you try to offer I'm not them, afraid. You try to offer them a little bit of comfort if they are children that are stuck, you know, to make them feel... We talk to them. Yeah. Yeah. All right, well, let's go to the phones. Is this Kurt again? Hello? You're on Spooky South Coast. How are you doing? Good. Good evening, young lady. Good evening, young man. How are you? Hi. Listen, um... I know that you're investigators and so forth, and this, this, is, this is just uh, something that I would like to tell you, okay? I grew up in the South End. I'm like half a century old, okay? And when I was a little girl, I would always ice skate down, they called it the poor farm, down at the end of Brock Avenue. They would flood the pond. Can you hear me? Mm-hmm. Yep. And they would flood the, you know, the pond would be flooded. There'd be lights. It was a warming house. And all the time I was growing up. So, you know, I don't know about equipment. I don't know about um, 
the scientific, uh, the classes or anything. But, you you know, you don't have to be a chicken to recognize an egg. You know, sometimes sure. just know and feel things. It's um, very practical. It's nothing that I have ever really wanted, nothing I seek, and I'm no, I'm no supernatural anything. However, I'd be ice skating down there, and I'd always get creeped out, like, you know, when, when I'd go towards the back of the pond. For no reason, I'd be with a whole bunch of other kids doing a whip, whatever. As 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 uh, time went by, you used to have to go down there to get your food handlers licensed. From the time I was 16, 17, you know, when you're doing those part-time jobs throughout the years. And it was a green building down there. That's where the Board of Health was. Every time I'd walk through there, like the bear would stand up on the back of my neck. I could just... I don't know. I, 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 I would always say, what children, I, I, I heard you say something about children. Children are very open. You're right. They're, they're very open. When I was little, I stopped saying this years ago because people would laugh or just, you know, say, you know, y'all bored or whatever. I'd say, I see air. I would just feel every so often. I even see other, other clouds in my eye. I could see movement around me. Not all the time, but sometimes in certain places. But this place would just like, it would just chill me. I never don't talk to me, no ghost talk to me, but I would feel like um you have that sensitivity. I would yeah. feel like some I feel great sorrow sometime when I was there. So as life went on and I do like history and I was an adult well into my thirties before I discovered that it was, the poor father used to be the T B hospital and there was an isolation house there years, years ago when there was typhoid, malaria, contagious you know, tuberculosis, malaria, mm-hmm. typhoid, contagious diseases. And, like, if you want to investigate somewhere, I don't even know if it's still there, but then, but whatever impressions are there must still be there. I felt I always, you know how the hair will stand on the back of your neck, you just feel it, you know it. Oh, yeah, and sure. I found that out. As a matter of fact, another place you could, like, investigate since you have all the equipment, try the front of the new um, vocational high school off of Ashley Boulevard on Ashley Boulevard. They put that high school so far back because there are mass graves there for all the contagious people that look way, way back in Bedford and the area that were from the isolation house. So maybe there's just tortured souls. I really don't know. But, like, I, you seem to know what you're doing. Sometime I listen to your show that you have guests on that are so esoteric that no one knows what they're talking about but them. However... Sometimes you have guests that just simply impress me. One time I called, and I, I think the gentleman was on the phone. He had a book, and he was supposed to be some kind of a psychic. Yes, Rick Hayes. Pardon me? Rick Hayes. You were supposed to leave me a book there. I went to WBSM. I you left you the did. book here. You never got it? No, I didn't. I had they a... Said, they, said, uh, they said, well, they're not really part of the... Of the radio station. <laughs> That's what they told me. Well, we're not. I mean, we're we're kind of uh, free. We just well, come like, in here and I take over so the airwaves and go home. I'm fifty. I'm, I'm, I'm like I said, half a century. Oh, my mother. He said to me, "Do you have a maternal grandmother?" And I said, "Yes." I mean, the woman is ninety-six years old. And he said, "I keep seeing roses. Her name is Rose. You could have knocked me over with a feather." Okay. You know, I'm upset about this because he actually sent you a book. Uh, he sent it to me to give to you, and it was personally signed, made out to you, and everything. No way, cut it out, because oh, I I'll, just... I'll, I'll get I you do, another one. I, it's not like I'm into paranormal. However, there are many inexplicable things, let's face it. it it's, it's, there are many, many inexplicable things, and believe me, I, I try to alleviate everything. That guy 
that they shut his radio off. He should teach the ghost to clean house because that's what he <laughs> do. All right. I have to say, it's your show is very interesting sometimes. Well, thank you. And like um, you all seem to know each other. Well, we've, uh, we've. It isn't like I just. Uh, I'm nobody special. There's nothing special about me, and I'm not saying that like I'm. I'm like. I guess perhaps maybe I am sensitive, even now sometimes. Yeah, I mean, you don't have to fully understand whether what's going I'm on alone, to have a sensitivity. Whether, and I'm not talking about being blazed or being, like, loaded or anything. I'm talking about sometimes there are other people with me, and I don't say anything. But I, I, but I know there are other things, like, don't know what. I'm, I'm not saying it's ghosts. I'm not saying who knows. Who knows? But, like, you know, my mind is open. It's not even that I want to believe in it, but when you when you alleviate every other possibility there are inexplicable things that have happened in my in my half a century <laughs> in my 50 orbits around the sun that I can't explain any other way and I um, don't want it I don't look for it and it doesn't happen all the time but it certainly is true you, you know you can't deny what's true but I mean I realize that everything's open for rebuttal sure I mean we're not here to try to tell you you know oh, what I to believe. We're here to that. just believe present me. it. And I'm not bamboozled, not easily mm-hmm. at all. But like I said, sometimes some of y'all guests definitely impress me. It's not like I'm going to go to Freetown State Forest and draw a pentagram. I mean, I'm not a loser. <laughs> however, however, there are inexplicable things, and then Freetown State Forest, you know, like throughout the years. Many things have happened for some reason. Oh, we're we're going to save like that, that for a whole other show. In and to January. find out more, please purchase Dark Wood, <laughs> Cult's Crime and the Paranormal in the Freetown State Forest by Christopher Balzano, www.masscrossroads.com. He's going to throw in the I don't have a right. computer, but I certainly do read. Well, we'll, de- we'll definitely be doing a whole show on Dark Woods coming up uh, in January in the new year. Uh, we're trying to work out some details to, to do a big show on that. So make I'm sure. Just pulling your coat. Just check it out. For real, check it out. Check it out. It's down the end of Prox Avenue. Okay. Okay, and it it's like it's certainly me. it's. I'm not saying it's haunted. I mean, like living people haunt me more than like you know anything else. However, I think that because you are you are educated and you obviously know what you're doing, it would be worth just, well, we just like fake checking it real well. Like I said, from the time I was a kid, and I had no idea about the history of the place, <laughs> but I've all but just chills and and whispers, just great suffering I would feel when I was in there. I'd be uneasy. And many times, not, and I mean, there were nurses around and everything. It was just, it's just worth checking out with your equipment. Okay, Thank sure. We definitely will. Thank you very much will. for your time. Thank you very much. And uh, if we do get down there, we'll let you know. We'll talk about it on the show. Okay. Thank you. Have a good one. Good night. Take care. All right. So now, Matt, you, you think we could maybe play some of these EVPs uh, that they have from Katie and John's house? And these were the ones that are captured by Mike Markowitz? Yeah. Those are, yeah. Okay, these are from Mike Markowitz of uh, East Bridgewater's Most Haunted. and Is that the name of their website, Chris? Um, I don't think they have a website, but they run out of uh, uh, MySpace. I know they do have a My, is yeah. it MySpace.com yeah, slash don't don't. East Bridgewater's Most Haunted. Or you can go to YouTube um, and just type in East Bridgewater's Most Haunted to get the episodes of the show. Yeah, because I've seen all the episodes through their MySpace, so right. I'm assuming that they, they are online. Of course, they're your friend on MySpace, our friends on MySpace, so. Yes. They are we're all friends. They are. We're all, all friends. And, you know, she mentioned, she did mention, you know, we seem to know each other. And we have to point out that I knew, I, I essentially knew Matt Costa very well. We're close friends. And I knew Matt Moniz perfectly at first when we first started doing the show. But we've all basically become friends through this show. Yeah, and it's and it's uh, it's really weird. Like, I was, you know, 
Like I was passing out the book, and I'm like, I wouldn't have written the book if it hadn't been for Tom. And I met Tom because I think he was on the show, and, I, and you know, like it's all. Or you were on another Marks another that. show, yeah. Oh, something. Yeah. It was pre that. We won't mention the name of the show that I heard you on. But, oh. <laughs> um, and then you know, and then we kind of all just kind of introduced, and it's it's is because there's so much here, and, and it's not like this in any other part of the state. Because I talk to people from all across the state. There's such a sharing of information and such a, uh, you know, my first thought was bring in Moniz. It wasn't, oh, let me hoard this investigation. Absolutely. It was bring in, you know, Tom, bring in Mike. I mean, um, because, you know, I mean, there's just a, like you're saying, people in this area, there's so many different people that have different talents and bring different things to the table. That's really a good um, a good crop to kind of uh, to pull people out of. And, and we all not, work off each other and share. Right, and there's no, I mean, eagles whatsoever. Not, not to shoot our own Don't horns. Don't ever talk over me again like that, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> not to shoot our own horns here, speaking of egos. But this show is more than just through the Internet. We're, we're worldwide. Right. This, this is mean, the meeting place, really. We have people that listen to the show all over the globe, all over the country. And no other place do I hear the type of uh, camaraderie and the type of cooperation that we have here in New England. So, I mean, every place else, we had to do a whole show on it. It's just infighting and bickering and one group stabbing another in the back. And, and it seems, you know, I mean, it's, it's right. You did the, the whole, you know, junior high uh, yeah. in the paranormal. And for us, it's like when we give information, we're the first people to, to, to cite other people in it. You know, yeah, I mean, we, we're making a living off of citing each other in our books, just kind of just ripping off of each other, but citing it, which is, which is <laughs> unusual to, for some people in this It's field. not plagiarism if you give credit. <laughs> That's right. All right, Matt, what do we got here? We're lying. <laughs> Why don't you play it, and then we'll have the guys kind of explain it. So it's video. Does your video have night vision? Yeah. All right, what, what were we hearing there? Which track was that? <laughs> track, track one. one. Well. Chris Balzano has the guide right there. I, I think that was Matt placing a bit on the prices right. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. Uh, yeah, track five is where, is kind of where he has his. Track yeah. five. Okay. okay, right at the end there, I mean, there's a little conversation going on between. Um, between between Matt and I, and at the very end, you can just hear it as, you know, can below. One more time, man. I don't know if you can make that out. It's kind of. Sure. Is there is there another one? Uh, go to a clear one. The one with the man that says, "Come, children, it's time to go," is quite. As you can tell, we had uh, hours of preparation yeah. for this. These came out of Moniz's trunk like five minutes ago. Yeah, and these were done by Mike Markowitz. Uh, you know, his equipment he records, is great. He records everything. everything. Yes. Yeah. He leaves no room for error. Uh, and, of course, you know, if Mike, if you're listening, if you want to call in and, and, and share with us your thoughts, 508-996-0500, 508-291-0500, while Chris peruses the Journal of uh, EVP Entries. Mm-hmm. That was track 25? Okay. Um, and that's kind of like symbolic of what he he got a lot of was a lot of low murmuring that he mm -hmm. then kind of had to amp it up to. So the, so the background of it gets amped up too. Um, but when he was there, 
he described it as just constant chatter and kind of like what he's able to pick up there was these are all different voices. Uh, one says, hi, fellas. Then another one says, it was beautiful, absolutely beautiful. Then kind of here's where it, it's kind of ambiguous that they're talking about us. It says, let's not give in. Let's clear the air. And then someone else says, is there anyone in there? And then someone else says, who cares? And another person says, I'll say. Um, and it's kind of this whole conversation. Are they talking about us? Are they not talking about us? Um, so let's maybe we can play the game. We can hear kind of that. They're different. Sure. They're at different volumes, different tones. All kind so. of overlaying each other? It's actually, it's one of those conversations where it's bop, 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 right after bop. Another. Right. I mean, they're, they're responding to each other. I mean, someone says, should we give in? Someone else says, you know, who cares? I mean, it's kind of like the randomness you were talking about, about yeah. things responding. I mean, it's... It's very faint, but you can hear the yeah, murmur. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's if you can uh, put on your headphones and kind of, you know, hear it themselves. I mean, if you see it on the computer, if you see the layout, I mean, it's very clear that you know levels are going up and down, and it's. Well, I also think that Mike has like uh, bat hearing, like something hearing. Oh yeah, he's like got a ninja dog. ears. Yeah, so like ninja yeah. ears—that's a good way to put it. <laughs> Thank you. He also like cleaned them up a lot when he was playing them for us and put different filters on. Oh yeah. Uh, that is the raw. F- these are raw oh, these audio. Are the raw, raw. Yeah, when he, when he puts the filters on and cleans everything up, it's much more uh, obvious. Oh, let's take this call here. We have a caller on the line. Good evening, you're on Spooky South Coast. How you doing? Hello. Hello. Hello, this is Kurt. Hey, Kurt. Are well, you frozen we're yet? I'm having a too good of a time, and you know what? I really don't like being upstairs because <laughs> I was being a smart ass, and I went to go upstairs, and the bo- you can. Ask Katie, I have a bottle that I put water in for Margaret, and right. it came flying down the stairs, and I came bolting in and slammed the door. <laughs> I do not That's want not the first to be time up you here in the at house all. Like that. But you know what? He's going because I'm with him. <laughs> oh, she's real no, protection. She's not, terrified. not freaking funny. I don't like this. Yeah, I just think that's odd because she seems to be the one that's most affected or most scared by what's going on. We're up up to the top of the stairs. The people that are with us, they're ready to go home. They don't even want to deal with this. So you're now entering into the third floor now? Whatever it is, who's watching the baby during all this? Yeah, we're on the third floor now, and my mother tried calling me, and it wouldn't let her call through. It made her call her godchild and would... Every time she tried to call, it kept on calling the girl, uh, my niece in Florida. Well, that's weird. Grandchild in Florida. Although, now that I think about it, when I tried to call you guys on Sunday to set up everything for the show, I had trouble getting through on the phone, and it said that I was connected to you, and I couldn't talk to you. I was remember that. Well, I don't even like this, because no, I've never had a bottle, the bottled water come down the stairs, and you know what? I don't even, I'm going to go sleep in my mother's. Okay? <laughs> I don't even want to put up with this crap. Well, just, put, just put the I'm phone tough, down and leave I'm it there. I'm a tough guy. I'm that, a tough guy. Kurt, seriously, extent. Kurt, <laughs> you remember the time that I was in the attic and you thought something was up in the attic. He right. saw me walk by the doorway. You should have seen him. If that door was not open, he'd have gone through it like a cartoon. Well, that was tonight. <laughs> I opened up the door, went upstairs like a tough guy. And blah, 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 this and that about the ghost. And then all of a sudden, the book, it's a gallon jug. It's a cranberry bottle. Right. Gallon. Came flipping down the stairs and banged. Right 
from the third floor. So, it's, it's you know only, what? It's only a bottle. He was white as a ghost when he came back. <laughs> Go sit up there with funny. him. I was laughing about just, everything till now. Just just put the phone down and leave it at the top of the stairs and and uh, you can back down and just go back and get it in about ten minutes. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna leave the phone. I'll leave the phone right here on call. Sure. Not a problem. Sure, do that. And we'll just see while we're chatting while uh, we're chatting with John and Katie. We'll see if uh, if anything comes over the phone. That's fine. You know what? I'll leave it right in the bedroom with the mattress. Okay. Okay. That's and the room. I'm not gonna stay up here. Okay. Sounds <laughs> good. Keep my water bottle. You can, I tell you what, you can keep all my money, everything. <laughs> you got money up there, Kurt. <laughs> It's in the mattress. The money I'm getting. You can have that, too. All right. I'm going to leave the phone right on the mattress. Goodbye. All right. Bye. All right. So we'll, uh, everybody just let me know if you hear anything coming through in your headphones. This is, uh, this is what we call riveting radio right here. (laughs) They're running down the stairs. Yeah, they are. (laughs) Yeah, that's not the ghost. That's them running down the stairs. So, but now is this... You guys seem to have a very playful attitude about everything that's going on, so it seems like everybody's kind of come to accept it and, and realize that you're not going to be able to change it, you're not going to be able to do anything about it, so you might as well just live with it. You don't have a choice. We have a mortgage. <laughs> <laughs> and now you couldn't in good conscience try to sell it because you'd have to tell the next people what's going on because you're not just going to dump it off on somebody and say, oh, everything's fine, don't worry. I love the house. I still do. He's not a big fan of the house. Because everything's crooked, because it's old, it's settled. But you always go with what the woman wants, because that's how you keep the peace. I sold my house and moved in with her. He oh, sold his soul. <laughs> <laughs> and so, do you guys do a little experimentation on your own when there's when there aren't investigators around? Do you try to record some stuff? Do you try to take pictures of anything? Or I did go up with Kurt and take pictures, and the only picture that I've gotten, I mean, we've taken hundreds of pictures in the house, and right when I first contacted Chris, I took a picture in the attic, and I got like a swirl of light, and that's it. One picture, and that's it. It wasn't my flash. It wasn't his flash. It was total darkness, and that's it. I mean, I don't do any recordings because I was like, I was afraid to hear something yeah, that I wanna, didn't want to hear. Exactly. And now, Tom, in all the investigation that you've done, how would you rate this in terms of activity and because you you'll, you'll you'll go to a place that has the the most minute of activity to document it, but to go into a place where it's kind of a plethora of at least audio and and things being moved around, how would you rate it in terms of activity? It was really one of the better places we've ever been to. It it really was excellent for that, and um, like I'm excited about what he's talking about. I'd, I'd be the first one running up there. <laughs> I'm the fool who runs toward the danger. But yeah, this place yeah it's really uh, very active and intelligent activity so that's what makes it even more exciting what i found interesting was how when we were doing our evp things you would ask a question and i would get the answer on my recorder i'd ask a question the answer would show up on yeah. yours why don't we try this 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 will be really riveting this is where we make there's a there's a beep that you'll hear that that means dead air so that's probably going to go off when we try this uh matt it was, it was pretty responsive to your line of questioning it would respond to my to my questions, but it would leave the answer on Tom's recorder. Ah. Tom would ans- ask a question, and I would have the answer on my recorder. Okay, we have about about five or six minutes left to play around with this. Why don't we try this? Why don't Matt, Tom, Chris, as the people who have investigated and gotten responses from this, let's conduct an EVP session over the cell phone. Let's see if we get any kind of response. I know it's not a tape recorder. It's not going to be imprinted, but maybe we'll get something. Give it some questioning for a couple of minutes. Let's see what happens. Matt, why don't you start it off? 
How old are you? Hello, it's me again, Tom. Uh, if you want to say something, feel free. I was there before. That was something. Good, Tom. It seems seems to respond to you. Yes, I was on the third floor. Uh, would you like to talk to me again? Uh, we could talk about anything you want. You can say hello to all these nice people. What is your name? How old are you? Do you want to talk to Matt or Chris? Do you recognize any of us? Do you remember Arlene and I? Do you have a favorite color? Can you ring the bell? Did you like it when I was taping you upstairs on the third floor? Can the children talk to us? It's funny because we seem to get just a little bit of response, almost like I was trying to... You know, you know how like when... If if we're talking on a cell phone, I might say something, but I don't quite get it through because you're still talking and you hear that little, that little, yeah, yeah, and that's what it sounded like it was coming. I mean, through. I don't know, I, I'm I'm picking up like very, well, there's that. There we go, yeah, yeah. But there's also like the little, and not only that, but and this is something that Mike has experienced a lot. As soon as we began, the air conditioning yeah, went on. It's doing it. It's doing it while we talk, but then for it to do it when we're not making any sound at all. Like, well, doing it while, while we talk is probably just the cell phone reception and the fact that we have that slot jacked up all the way on the board. So that's why when I say, uh, you know, it's going to do that. But to do it when nobody's making any noise, that's what I was interested in. Do you have anything else you'd like to say to us? Who is Patrick? What do you like to eat? Do you have anything you want to say to Katie and John who are here with us? Katie, you want to just try asking a question, see if it responds to you? Do you know who I am? Well, I think if it was going to, it kind of weaned off uh, at the beginning there. But hey, an interesting experiment nonetheless. That might be the first ever cell phone live radio EVP session in recorded history. We don't need a box. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just give us Kurt Sell and a... Quite literally a telephone to the dead. <laughs> that, that's going to be all over the that's internet Kurt's tomorrow. Kurt's box. That's Kurt's phone. Kurt's box. That's going to be all over the internet tomorrow. <clears throat> Well, uh, Kurt, if you're listening, you can go up and get your cell phone now so we don't cost you any more minutes. I hope you have free nights and weekends. He's going to be afraid to get it. I'm going to have to get it when I go home. <laughs> <laughs> You'll just let the battery die out until then? How much time, Matt? Huh? 
four minutes. Okay. Did you hear that? Yeah, I, I just heard that. Okay. Getting the phone. You know what? <laughs> we do have free nights. Yeah, we have free nights, free weekends. But my okay. <laughs> All right, because if it's if it's one thing that you know about ghosts, they can be pretty chatty, and they'll run up uh, overage minutes like you wouldn't believe. So, well, gone. thank you for uh, for participating in that experiment. We we think that we just made radio history. Good. Maybe you can get them out of our house. Uh, we we don't do that. That's a that's uh, how much does that cost, Chris? I believe the charge for that is uh, three thousand six hundred and twenty-three dollars. Well, yeah, we we don't. I'll give you a discount. We don't get rid of them. We just try to document them and then share the stories with people, which is what we tried to do here tonight for all of our listeners out there. We tried to share with them a couple of local haunts. Uh, you know, one that with Tom Nickerson and Tom DeMello's book, uh, Our Demons, Our Forefathers, kind of a personal story, kind of, you know, growing up with this entity in their lives and, and how it's affected them, and also dispelling the myth of the house next to whites. So thank you for that. If anything, getting that print is, is worth uh, worth gold. But you can pick up their book at just about any local bookstore around here and also online, Amazon.com, and we have a link up on SpookySouthCoast.com. And Chris Balzano's book, Dark Woods, Cults, Crime, and Paranormal in the Freetown State Forest, is available everywhere except the Freetown State Forest because there's no bookstores in there. You should there talk into the guard's desk and they're just selling copies out there. Yeah, I don't think they'll be too uh, happy not, with you from really, what I understand yeah. now at this point. So Yeah, we can't, you can't go back in there now. <laughs> You're done. Hey, it's a, it's a free place. If I set up a stand out of, you know, or out of my back of my car. A little kiosk. Yeah, exactly. He'll be at the top of the ledge. Hi, my name's Tom D'Agostino, and I'm doing this for a friend. Yeah, sure. But uh, you can pick that up in, in bookstores and online at, and at masscrossroads.com, of course. And Tom D'Agostino, Haunted Massachusetts, Haunted Rhode Island, Haunted New Hampshire, and Pirate Ghosts and Phantom Ships. You can get those on shifferbooks.com and wherever you get books. Uh, you don't have a website, Tom. Actually, we do, yeah. Okay. Paranormalunitedresearchsociety.org. There you go. I wish I had known. I would have wrote it out and made a link to it, but I will tomorrow. I swear. Yeah, thank you. And, of course, thanks to Michelle Babs Babiars of thesidenetwork.com for joining us as well. Uh, don't forget, Wednesday, December 12th at 9 p.m., you can get involved with that live chat with the telephone of the dead. Of course, you can just listen to the cell phone of the dead right here. That's free of charge. <laughs> but uh, next week, we don't know what we're going to be doing next week. We still have that up in the air. But the week after that, we're going to be on in prime time because of NFL football. And then the week after that, prime time because of NFL football. And then the week of the 29th, we're off because the Patriots take over the whole station for the day. So, But stay tuned to the SpookySouthCoast.com. We'll have updates there. We will be back here at 10 o'clock next week. Until then, for Matt Moniz, for Matt Costa, we want you all to stay spooktacular. Rest assured, listener, that my time here has not been easy. And what you have just heard was not fiction. Although... In many a desperate moment, I most certainly wish it had been. It's over for now, it seems. Or at least, until yesterday begins again. Tomorrow, 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 tomorrow. Look, I know the supernatural is...